0: Business and Buckets. This is technically the first business episode uh, that I'm going to do that I've recorded. So, you're 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 guest number one. So, thanks for coming on. Yeah,
1: go easy on me. I got a a little (laughs) bit of notes on my phone just in case I get tracked off, but I'll I'll try to go off top as much as I can.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll make it more conversational and less than an interview as much as possible. Mm But really, you know, the the business side of things is I grew up in a small town in Wyoming, you know. Making it out of Wyoming is kind of a big win for most people as everyone and their mother kind of stays there. So, um, you know, just looking for positive influences and those kind of, you know, successful individuals that you could always feed off and shoot. We're in Seattle. It's a booming industry. I've met a lot of good connections since I've been here almost seven years now which is kind of freaky yeah I, I kind of have to claim seattle that like i'm from seattle I mean,
1: with all the transplants <laughs> going on dude i feel like you're, you're basically a native these days you know yeah
0: i mean yeah. i like to claim montana wyoming but i yeah, mean yeah. technically i'm a washingtonian so yeah um but coming out here seeing all the connections i just figured instead of just having a, a you know basic sports podcast to throw the business in there and okay. be able to give back to the listeners maybe there's a Small Shane Gillette from Pinedale, Wyoming, that listens to this and you know gets motivated, gets some inspiration, because I think that's what's what it's all about. Yeah. And looking back at my history, man, I mean, if I always like drill it down to like what helped me get to, you know, I'm not a million dollar successful individual. I'm very happy with where I'm at today and a lot more to accomplish. But look at kind of the recipe to success, it was always hearing other people's stories.
1: Sure.
0: What where did they come from? You know, I, I thought I was going to be a sports broadcaster at one time and was majoring, majoring in journalism. And I was thinking, well, you know, what's your story? How did you get to where you are? Okay, well, it's very seniority-based industry. You start learning things and seeing if there's red flags in that industry or if you're like, oh, this is exactly where I need to be. This matches up to my goals, my vision, and I think I could do this for life. And I think that's challenging in the most part for everybody just to figure out what the heck you're doing. But uh, I think that you know, talking to people that are doing things that are very unique and doing things successfully is just a good, a good recipe for success. Because if it's almost like if this guy could do it, I can do it. You yeah, know yeah, what I mean? One hundred percent. I think Steve Jobs of the world or anybody of the world. I mean, you see him doing it. Like this is a normal dude, right? Like um, you look at uh, Amazon and starting a, a shop with you know just the book sales, and here we are to the conglomerate that Amazon is doing anything and everything. So. Uh, we'll dive into your background, and uh, you know, obviously, with the entrepreneurship of the DJing, we'll we'll talk about DJ yeah, Akira yeah. here, Let's do it. and then uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean, outside of DJing, are you doing any other entrepreneurship type things? Are you wanting to do anything business related outside of that, or is it mostly just the DJ
1: aspect? Yeah. You know, I mean, right now it's mostly just the DJ thing. Uh, well, I, I guess I say right now cause we're in the midst of COVID right? so <laughs> yeah. kind of lo- a little bit on a, a brief hiatus for, uh, actually gigging, gigging, playing out, but, uh, nothing really on the horizon as far as entrepreneurship, like I'm, I'm doing right now. But what, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out a way to get passive income. You know, you, you see these like motivation videos everywhere and some of them are a little over the top, but I think the name of the game is to not work forever. Right. So, um, you know, definitely looking into real estate, looking into buying some more houses and just trying to get some cash flow that way, build build some capital.
0: And you own a home now, correct?
1: I do, yeah. There you go. I you're already you're yeah, already yeah, getting at the yeah, game. Yeah, with... I'm, I'm almost there, <laughs> I'm almost there. <laughs> First
0: step is home number one, right? <laughs> exactly. You, you got me. I'm in a two-bedroom studio, you know, so, or not studio, but have this room as my studio. This is so a studio. You got I know, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's why yeah. I got a two-bedroom. I'm a single guy. I don't need two bedrooms, yeah, but, yeah. you know, I didn't want to be able to have the expenses of a studio. And now, I mean, imagine if i had tried opening up a studio renting it in a building COVID hits you know can't do anything and it would have been done so i'm glad i I did that
1: this table man yeah you like that that. yeah why are you trying to be so sly about it (laughs) that's my uh logo
0: my buddy had built this custom made in montana hammer strength construction shout out if anyone wants some cool projects done Obviously, he is based in Montana, so a little difficult to ship something of this size and stature. But yeah, man, he, <laughs> yeah. he he got it awesome. He put some yeah. epoxy on it. Had a lady that does metal cutting design the uh, cut out my logo design. I mean, that's pretty intricate detail. You got the net and and whatnot. So I, I thought it was an awesome job and was definitely a staple. And really, how I have my camera angle set up, I have the mountain silhouettes from Wyoming, from Montana. You know, come from the mountainous background, and then. Have the mountain wallpaper here yeah, yeah. from a company called Walls Need Love. Um, they're based out of small town Idaho. Okay. And definitely got some sponsorships in the work. Have my first sponsorship, Fueled Supplements. We'll definitely be talking about them. Uh, looking to get these guys on. Uh, their CEO just sent out a, a message to me. So hopefully, Walls Need Loves comes on. It's just a sweet wallpaper that you stick on. You know, obviously, my walls are white. I couldn't imagine us on a white backdrop. Yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be a horror story. So. Uh, they have lots of cool designs. This is called a mural. Uh, it's not quite an image, but supposedly you could detach and reattach. I probably won't ever do anything like that. Uh, I, I installed it myself. I don't know if the camera can pick this up, but you know, a little bit of wrinkles. Not not bad
1: for a DIY. Yeah.
0: I I recommend doing it with more than one person. I was in here sweating. I was in here sweating. I was like, man, what am I doing? But I was so eager and excited to get it up and up and going It definitely a a nice backdrop there. But, um, yeah, you know, talking a little bit about those influences and you talking about the income, I, I think it's kind of funny and cheesy in the Instagram world and what now we live in of all these motivations. You hear the Gary V's just yeah. making things sound so easy, but, you know, what really hit home for me and living in a very expensive city of Seattle is multiple streams of revenue. I mean, I think if you're looking to be successful or probably why I have you on here, I think we have the same idea of financial freedom and the lifestyle we want to live Doing one job and and getting that is pretty difficult unless you're running your own successful business, right? I mean, we work for a pretty good public company doing software sales and making pretty good income, but if I had a massive family and I had a big house in in Seattle, I don't think I'd be having much overhead to work with, right? Sure, yeah. So um, I think multiple uh, streams of revenue is totally that. And you know, my podcast, I'm not necessarily here to make revenue, but maybe one day it does and I'm doing something that I enjoy to do and giving back to other individuals. Hopefully they're getting some value from it. And if it turns into a revenue stream, there you go. Right. And I think that's how the best secondhand, like thought process of business turns into revenue is something that you enjoy. I mean, I'm not going to open up a smoothie shop. If I hate smoothies, I hate running business just to try to get that stream of revenue. It probably isn't a good recipe for success. So leading into that, I mean, how did you get into DJing in the first place? Is it, just the love of music. Like, yeah, heck yeah, I want, to, I want to start ripping this off. You went to a set one time and saw somebody. Like, tell us a little bit about how you yeah, got man. into DJing. Uh, well, I mean,
1: I've always loved music ever since I was, like, small. I just, like, had a knack for, like, memorizing lyrics of songs on the radio and just, like, knowing stuff. Like, it, you know, I, I would have, like... I'm a little older than you, but like the Napster days, I was like the guy. <laughs> I was, was a part of the Napster okay, days. Yep. I was the guy that was like distributing these like mixtapes and these like playlists for people. I just really enjoyed that, like getting all these different types of songs and genres. And then, um, yeah, I, uh, how I actually started getting into DJ was I had a buddy that was a personal trainer, and uh, he was hosting a boot camp. It, he worked at Bally's Total Fitness over in Factoria when that was still a thing, and. Uh, yeah, he had a boot camp like every Friday. Right? You can just pull that
0: to you a little bit. You're a little bit okay. taller guy than I am.
1: Like this or? It should be able to extend out just a little
0: bit. There you okay. go. Okay, I can move a little Get towards you it. Get uh,
1: you go. some distance on this bad boy. Yeah, yeah. Am I, am I looking good now? You're good. You're good. Okay. Might want to lift this up. Uh, there we go. Solid. So, yeah, so he, he had a... Um, uh, a boot camp class that he would run like fridays and wednesdays at Bally's, and this was kind of like during the rise of uh like the edm scene uh in in the u.s so a lot of these like big electronic like anthems you know just like workout music yep. back then i think this was like spin class music <laughs> exactly Exactly. 2009 2008 ish uh and so i was just kind of starting to get into that stuff and getting into some of those djs and you know going to a bunch of shows and listening to that and so he was like hey man like i i can you put together a playlist for me um, of these music? And true enough, I handed him a, a CD back in the day and he came back and he was like, dude, that was a hit. It was awesome. So I kept giving him these, these, and how uh, old are you at this time? Man, I'm probably like 20, 23 or something like that. Okay. T- 24. Um, and I actually, it was a buddy in me that, that I still DJ with today actually in a group. Uh, and he, you know, he's also into the music and he says, those songs are great but what if there was no gaps like it's a boot camp class so every time there's a the, the track changes there's a huge loss of energy people are like you know i'm either scrambling you, they, you didn't have it on your phone back then so <laughs> you'd either go you know hit the next song use a remote control if he was lucky etc um i was fortunate enough that my you know my best friend brandon the guy i dj with he's actually an audio engineer Okay. Uh, and he was like, Oh yeah, no worries. I can, I can cut that up. I'll just cut the, the space in between the songs and make it all one big track. And so I was doing a lot to find the songs and he was cutting between the songs out. Uh, and again, we, the mixtapes were, were going well, they're progressive. And uh, all of a sudden we had the idea. It's like, Hey man, why are we just, mashing the the- Yeah. <laughs> well, why are we mashing the songs together? It sounds terrible. It's just a cutoff, right? What if we actually tried to mix it? So we were mixing these songs on a computer, and I'm gonna take my jacket off because it's a little <laughs> hot. But uh, we yeah, we were mixing these songs on the computer, and he knows how to use that. Uh, you know, he was going to school for it. So I was like looking over his shoulder, seeing how he was doing Pro Tools or whatever, and kind of learning it. Uh, and then the the luckiest thing happened. A buddy of mine actually had this iPhone app that was uh, it was called. DJ, and like, <laughs> nice, good name. Yeah, it was like D J A Y, and he's like, Hey man, I downloaded this free app. You guys should, you guys should check it out. It's it, you can like actually DJ on it. And uh, the mixtapes were starting to kind of get popular at that time, and uh, yeah, we just decided to learn how to mix on this this iPhone app. And luckily, uh, we had an old old iPad one laying around the house. I guess at that time it wasn't wasn't that old. Uh, but yeah, we basically taught ourselves how to go from the Pro Tools mixing into this DJing on this iPad. Um, that was just like the tipping point, like, all right. Yeah, man, it, it was it was really weird because, like, the mixtapes started getting kind of hot, like, around, like, the, the workout class. People started wanting them, and this was before SoundCloud. Uh, and then the people at parties you know we were young so we were partying a lot we were busting out the ipad at parties and people were asking for these mixtapes and uh luckily like i happened to know another dj a guy that i you know i went to college with uh and i knew that he was kind of gigging around the area and we ran into him once and he's like hey you know i hear you guys are djing now like do you want to play a show for us and it was a lot of us. I, I'm probably being too cool. It was, it was probably some <laughs> some of it. Uh, I was asking him, yeah. you know, every time. But uh, I remember it was one time he was finally like, "Okay, do 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 you want to uh, did you want to play out for us?" And we were ecstatic. But then we thought about, "Holy, holy cow!" I don't want to swear on this, but uh, no, we're, we're, we're all like, good to go, okay. man. No well, PG-13. Well, 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 okay, on the next one I'll let it go. <laughs> we but, got
0: whiskey going. Come on now. Exactly. <laughs>
1: but I mean, we we're kind of just like, you know, like, what did we get ourselves into? We've never played a show. We have played house parties and stuff, but you know, are we really going to play on, on this iPad? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, man, true enough. um, We we played the show. It was, uh, it was at nine o'clock at a place called the Baltic Room. Okay. I have a familiar, Capitol Hill on a Wednesday. So uh, as you can tell, you know, (laughs) not not exactly the best, the best time slot, but uh, man, we were so excited. We just got a ton of our friends and our, you know, our friends to come out and support, show love. We had that thing like packed with probably like 30 people, like, you know, at nine o'clock <laughs> uh, and it went well, man. And, you know, we just kept started getting booking, you know, from there. And the funny story about these iPads is we actually used those for probably the first year we DJed, like, like, and we started to kind of come up, not super quick, but fairly quickly getting like, you know, decent club gigs, all openers. But we were playing like these major clubs in Seattle with these iPads. Uh, and eventually we ha- we developed this system where we were got- other people using iPads. No, there was, there was <laughs> a, a ton of hate, man. Like, uh, there were, so everybody back then actually used real turntables or these things called C yeah, we'll tables. dive
0: into this into a second. Then we'll yeah, keep the chronological sure. order going. Cause I mean, when we're thinking about, you know, me setting up the podcast, you know, I have this table, I have the wall drop. I want to do things appropriate, Yeah, yeah but I'm course. at a point in my life, you know, I'm 28 years old that I have the time and the money to do so. But you look at many people at their podcast, they don't have the time and the money to you know, this ta- the thousand dollar table, all the setup, and you're starting with an iPad. So, you know, everybody doesn't have to think that you have to have things perfected, right? You can grow into it. So yeah, I mean, like you're using these iPads, people are hating on to you, just keep keep going there. Yeah.
1: So I mean, I, I think and that was just like one thing to to really think about, you know, for anyone. I know this is kinda like like you said, the kid that's it back in uh, you know, Montana or Wyoming or you know, wherever and, and wherever it's like like, you don't have to necessarily have the, the tightest gear or whatever it is, you know, the tightest studio, the the best turntables to get into it. You just got to start. You know what I mean? got to earn it. got to earn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if you got the good stuff, you better show out. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah, we were we were playing with these iPads, and back then it was all, uh you know, actual record player DJs, and DJs, we were kind of in the, the older era. We were at the very tail end of these guys, so they were... You know a very tight-knit group and they didn't really want anybody in there especially you know djing on ipads <laughs> they're probably like these kids dude. yeah man so uh but i mean luckily a few a few people kind of took us under their wing and they were like hey you guys are actually mixing like doing like complicated like mixes on these and eventually we got another ipad uh that my mom borrowed from her school she's a like a speech language pathologist basically a teacher so we had this like tahoma school district like ipad and one of our own ipads and we kind of linked it up in this like setup so he would play two turntables on his ipad and i would play two turntables on my ipad and so we were mixing like four tracks at once and i think that that's kind of what what got us really hot is because we were i mean we had the creativity and we practiced a shitload but we were doing this you know four deck mixing that a lot of people really weren't doing like layering a cappellas on top of each other and really putting like pop music into like sort of ravey electronic music and uh i mean l- like i said luckily uh there was a couple kind of o- old heads in the industry that really you know liked us kind of you know uh, showed us showed us some love and got us booked and Eventually showed us how to use like the the big boy gear. Uh, yeah, and as soon as we saved enough money from from some gigs, we we ended up getting some some real decks.
0: So after that point, you were continuously able to do gigs. You had probably had some connections. were like putting up at different places, right?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And were you able to get finances in there to keep improving your guys' setup, or was it all just a lot of saving internally?
1: Yeah, I mean, it like the gigs were all paid. That that was one thing that that you know, we learned very early on is, uh, at least in DJing, never do pro bono work. Like, it doesn't matter if it's, it's kind of almost like a lawyer, you know, you <laughs> know how they say, put a dollar in those mob movies, Like put a dollar in my pocket. Now we're actually under client, whatever, like we're officially a client. Yeah. It's kind of like that with DJing too. It's, it's not necessarily, I feel like, especially when you're starting out, it's not about the amount of money. I mean, it is at some extent, but it's the fact that someone is willing to pay you something. I feel like it shows a little bit of respect. So, you know, it, it wasn't a lot for the opening slot, you know, we, and we were the opening guys. So, uh, and it was two of us. So we're splitting usually one guy's pay between two guys, but you know, we were putting that away and we had other, you know, jobs and side jobs too. So eventually we were kind of just able to stack some bread up and, and get the gear.
0: And we'll we'll keep going down that path. But uh, I did a little little recon. You know, I haven't seen your shows personally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy had actually performed for our company a couple times for end a quarter. You know, sales hype up since we can't yeah. meet in person. And honestly, super impressed. Like that was cool to see. I'd love to you know see a show if that ever happens again. I mean, I know it will happen. It's just this thing's going longer than I ever expected. I don't know about you. Definitely. Um, so did you start as like a group um, with this Rise Over Run? Is it the same partner? Exactly. Rise Over Run. Shout out my boy, Brandon. Yeah. 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 And um, is that something that you guys have laid out a path and trajectory that you guys want to do things together? Because I know you've done some solo stuff too. Or is it just being able to mix them both based off schedules and just keep going?
1: I think it's a lot of everything. I mean, we just kind of – got the momentum uh, of this and at the time we were doing something kind of unique with the two guys that actually started to become more of a thing like just an edm festivals in general but in seattle i think we were the you know some of the only groups or we were the only two-man group in a while that actually were mixing a lot of times guys would play uh you know, one guy would get on and then the other guy would get on where us, it's like, I would literally play a song and then it's almost like battling each other. Yeah. Do a DJ battle. And then he would throw it back. And, you know, I'd actually don't necessarily really know what he's going to play next. Uh, in the beginning we, we rehearse some of these sets, uh, a, a lot more, but you know, now when we do play out it's, he has his music and I have my music and we do communicate. It's almost like, um, like being on a sports team or something like, like, you know, we're we're, we're slapping each other's butt, you know, we're like, good job. (laughs) You know, Hey, I'm going to do this. Like, are you ready? You know, giving each other kind of like hand signals while, while we're, you know, you know, uh, mixing and stuff. So it's, I mean, we've been doing it together for 11 years. So it's like, I really kind of understand. I feel like at this point how his brain works and there's definitely some stressful moments up there, but, uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, I think at this, at this point, we we'll probably just continue together we've had uh we do have some i guess difference in music preference too it's it's not usually too Too different, but then sometimes I will play some solo shows because of it, and he will too, but I think ultimately some of that difference is actually what makes us good as a group, is we'll bring different elements, I mean, we're just not a clone of each other you know what I'm
0: saying? Yeah, and I'm not a huge I I can't speak into a bajillion EDM group sets, but I've been to like Coachella's and things where you see some of these guys that I've never heard of and you're like, whoa, the performance and there is a a lot of duos there and you can see the the way that they feed off each other Um, when we're talking about your solo versus your duo set, though, like from the beginning, once you guys work on the iPads, like, wow, this can work. Maybe we should invest more into this. I always am curious, working together, was there, like, goal setting of, like, this is what we want to do? This is kind of the roadmap of where we were at, and it was pretty clear, crystal clear. Or was it just kind of like DJing it in itself, just freestyling your way through? It kept just creating momentum, and then you guys just kept practicing together.
1: I, I think a little bit of both. I mean, there's it's, it is, it's interesting because... When I talk to Brandon, he's like an, basically a sound designer. So he does like sound for video games and Halo and you know Facebook and all types of stuff like that. And so it's interesting just to hear his job. He is a creative guy. So his mindset at work is totally different than ours, like yep. of a business mindset. So I think that it's back to the DJing question. It's a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, we kind of use both of us are, are professionals, so we know how to set goals and we know how to guide ourselves in in the direction to the ambition. But at the same time, you can't rush creativity, right? So it's, there's a, you know, kind of a balance of of both of these things. We definitely knew some of the things we wanted to achieve and we were able to achieve actually a lot of them. Uh, but at the same time, we, we didn't hold ourselves to those, to the point where it wasn't fun. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean?
0: Always having fun. I think that's important. And were you able to kind of connect with other people in the G- DJing world that really helped guide you or you felt like you guys fed off of them and asked those questions to understand what to do? Or were you guys just rocking the, you know, since you guys were maybe ahead with technology, he's a sound engineer, you have the business mindset and just kind of rock together. Whereas there some good influences that you guys had that really helped mold the shape of Rise and Run and where you are today.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, uh I think it's 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 really a combination of everything. There's I think the number one thing uh, is just to be a nice guy, be kind. You know what I'm saying, and just be a likable dude. Uh, I had a boss at my old job that would say, you know, did he pass the beer test? And that was his basically saying, well, the guy interviewed well, but would you want to have a beer with him? You know, and so I think that that was something that we took to heart every time that we went in to talk to somebody. And also if we were going to hire somebody, you know, the last few years we ran our own night. So we were doing a lot of the bookings. And so that was really important to us. And I think that by being a nice guy, by being likable uh, and really kind of just being yourself, being real, people kind of take to that. Right. And and, and they'll want to do that. They'll want to reach out to you and, and help rather than a lot of these guys come into this industry. Because, I mean, it is it's it's very local, but it's still show business. Right. Yep. So you've got a lot of big personalities, a big heads, uh, they come in there and they're, they're not very pleasant to be around. And they're not the type of guy that, that you want to extend out and reach to help. But I think that was something that really played to our favor. And it's also two guys. So if you hate me, yeah, you, might, yeah. if you have a chance, you might like Brandon, you know, exactly. or, or vice versa. Um, but, but yeah, I I think that, that was, that was really one of the reasons it's just being likable, you know, getting, getting booked in the nightlife industry is weird. It's kind of like prospecting in sales. It's like, but it's a, in a different way. It's a lot of just being around and nagging and getting shut down and just being really, really annoying. So like going to the best way to get booked, honestly, is to go to the gig. <laughs> I know that like we're in a social media era and we still were at the time, you know, it was more Facebook back then, but it's showing up at, at somebody's show at someone's night, showing love to that. Uh, under Like just being like, Hey, great set learning what, the type of music that's played there because even if it's electronic or hip-hop or whatever there's a certain type of crowd there's certain things that work if you're there observing that i think it gives the person a little bit more confidence who's booking you that's like hey this guy would get it you know he's not just coming in here he's doing his research he's he's making an effort to really come down and you know he wants to be here that's a lot more difficult it's a lot more involved than just shooting back and you know hitting like and saying hey can I get booked etc etc so I think that 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 really worked in our favor too
0: I think the face-to-face makes the biggest difference too I know for me um, it's almost like management and sales it's tough to listen or really have the trust in your manager when he's never sold a product in sales, right? Like, hey, this is what we need to do. These are the strategies you never have, but I've never done it myself. So you almost kind of hold that against them. And in the social media world, it's it's like people almost live, especially the younger generation, younger than us that, that maybe listen, like it's all social media and like sure. now you're living in COVID, you Zoom class and nothing's in person. Yeah, yeah. But I think that face-to-face interaction makes the biggest difference and being able to fill that energy off of somebody to see if you, I mean, it's just the best way I could say is like, it's a vibe, right? Sure. And you could tell if things are connected, but if you're in there, you're putting in the work, you're in there, uh, showing that you actually care. I think that'll open up so much, so many more doors than just like you said, kind of prospecting or following up via social media, because I mean, especially on the DJing world, I'm sure there's so many followers and people interacting with their social media. It's just kind of white noise, but to the beer point, like you have a beer and you're having a good conversation that could open up more doors than anything.
1: Exactly. Just being around be like making yourself seen. They're like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, there will be a time when you don't have someone booked and you're like, I mean, Brandon and I do this all the time where it's like, there, there are guys that come by and to be honest, they're, they're kind of irritating sometimes, you know, and, but they're noisy. And so you think about them, you have someone canceled the day before and you're like, Hey, what about that that guy you know like what's his name the guy that's always here, like, <laughs> yeah. like oh yeah let's hit him up you know uh, I mean obviously we would vet them make sure they sent us a mix or whatever so we know you're you're like you're fundamentally sound right but then that's how schedules get that you know get booked is you know preparedness meets opportunity you know
0: absolutely and so you've been DJing I guess we'll say officially how long now
1: officially it's about to be or maybe it just hit eleven years, man. It's crazy. Professionally DJing, that's wild, right?
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, this goes to show. I mean, there's so much more to accomplish. Ten years is almost. I I think one of the books I read, The Power of Habit, is like it's ten thousand or a hundred thousand hours of doing something to be a master of it. Yeah, Gladwell. But ten thousand. hours. Gladwell. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Lots of books that so you forget they mentioned it to each other. Um, but yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I I mean, at that point, you. I mean, how long is an average set?
1: So an average set's usually an hour. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you got a lot more hours to go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I mean practicing and everything. We've definitely
1: done ten thousand hours. I mean, we at at a point we were doing a bunch of sets a week, you know. Sometimes we would do parties that were just us, you know, especially like if you're really trying to like make the jump from it's kinda like what you said, being an entrepreneur being an employee versus being an entrepreneur, right? Starting your own night. At that at that point you may not have budget you may have to do you know a four-hour set or something <laughs> something like that so uh definitely got the hours and hopefully you know that equates is right and i guess i could maybe call myself a master yeah, i, don't, <laughs> know. I don't know man. That sounds kind of cocky
0: yeah um when we're talking about um the day we live in today though and they're not being live shows i've seen i didn't even know twitch you that's just like the facebook live stream almost but just twitch version
1: yeah so uh yeah twitch is like a big gamer thing for a while Uh, you know i have a bunch of friends that work in the gaming industry and uh it's been a thing for a while you know like this is where they would all the esports were broadcast but i think recently with covid a lot more people are taking to twitch i mean primarily because the uh Copyright restrictions are a little looser than Facebook or, or YouTube.
0: Do you know the specifics behind that? Like, what's the biggest difference that you run into?
1: In terms of, uh, like,
0: why, why is Twitch, a, a, ver- a, a of choice software or solution for you right now?
1: Well, I mean, at a base base level, it's because the copyright. So, uh, you'll get muted on Facebook. Sometimes your video or stream will get stopped on YouTube. They've got these like algorithms that will like recognize a song. We don't usually play a lot of original songs. They're like, you know, mashed up, but I guess the, you know, the algorithms are so good these days. They'll recognize it muted it, or take it down. But the cool thing about Twitch is it's a community. And I actually didn't really get this until a couple months ago when I started getting on it. Um, they've really gamified uh, streaming for all types. So it's a, you can generate revenue as a streamer um, through a lot of different ways. And, and there's, a lot more crowd interaction that they've developed through you know ways even something like subscriptions or emote emotes uh we live in the world of
0: emotes oh my goodness no i mean you
1: people will literally subscribe to your channel so they can get your emote set and i felt like that was the most (laughs) obscure idea right but now it's like i get it man like if especially if like you're spending a lot of time between like video games and you know, DJ streams or just people showing you how to paint. There's just like a lot of different weird stuff out there, man. And it's kind of a, it's kind of cool to see, you know, I think that like after a lot of hard times, a Renaissance occurred and I, I don't know if that's kind of a bold claim to say like Twitch is a Renaissance, but people are finding a lot of different creative ways and creative outlets either to a make money, uh, and just kind of get their, king, right? Get their, get their <laughs> art out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And hopefully if you, if you're doing good enough, a lot of these Twitch people are making a lot of money.
0: Well, right? that seems like it's a good thing that it's there because if you have these algorithms through Facebook and you said YouTube, YouTube yeah. that they're shutting you down. I mean, where else can a DJ live right now?
1: Honestly, that's about it, man. I mean, I'm, I'm like big on the, you know, let's hunker down and social distance until this thing's over. And I think that that would just help by everybody following the rules. So rather than like play out or you know play gigs that are kind of like half open uh you know i think we should just kind of everybody should just take to a different medium and just shut it down chill for now and then you know hopefully the the resolution will be quicker so i mean if you're if you're a thinker of that point of view I think Twitch is kind of where you live at these points. Unless I see people are, doing drive-up shows or something like <laughs> yeah. that, so I think that's the other one. I haven't done one. And are time.
0: you actually able to make substantial income through Twitch right now?
1: I mean, me, I'm just getting started to be honest. So I think we made twenty-eight dollars uh, a couple Fridays ago, which was shout out year. to the subscribers. Dude, Dude, shout to out Twitch to the subscribers. <laughs> so that, I mean, I was like, wow, twenty-eight bucks is actually more than I thought <laughs> I was gonna make. But you know, I I mean, it's not something I can live off
0: of, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. And um, now that you're, you know, there's not really an end in sight in this, I don't think you're figuring this out. Are you really going to hunker down and craft that skill and mold that skill? Or are you just hoping that this will blow over and you can keep moving?
1: You know, kind of both, man. Like, I've I've told myself that I do want to establish uh, my Twitch presence a little more. Uh, I think it's all about regularity with anything, right? It's setting a schedule so people know when you're on, and they kind of know when what to expect on your show, just like on TV. Consistent something. actions oh, like equal right consistent here. results, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. So when you tune into, you know, business of bucket, you know, kind of it's gonna vary, but you know, kind of what you're gonna get. And you know, I, I know where I feel special. on in the inaugural episode, but you know, <laughs> yeah, once yeah, there this we gets go. Going, it's uh. It's you know it's gonna be on a schedule. You're gonna release one every month or whatever the cadence is, and people are gonna know like, all right, cool, like, I can expect this from from Shane, uh, and I can kind of expect this content. So same with Twitch, I feel like that's what I strive to do. I I, I don't think that I'm gonna be you know the the next Tiesto of Twitch and be you know be the guy, but I think just having some interaction, it's kind of fun to be able to still spread you know my craft, play some music that I like and. It's always more fun to play music for people when you're a DJ. Yeah,
0: I could imagine. And <laughs> yeah. if anything, at least you're practicing your craft, right? Exactly. I mean, when it comes to DJing, you guys are you're talking about mixing, you know, I don't know all the specifics behind it, but if you do take time off, do you feel like the little bit of rust factor you're like, "Oh man, like dang, we're not maybe vibing as well as we were when we're doing live sets all the time." Like do you sure. feel any of that?
1: I mean, I think there is an initial like some of that where it's like man, I haven't done this for a while. I'm a little bit rusty, but you know to be honest I think that uh, my skill isn't particularly in uh, You know doing any type of like turntableism or any of that I mean, there's there's a lot of DJs that are, are more into that but I think my a lot of my skill is in programming and really knowing my music being able to be super organized and being able to like hear harmonically like hey i think this would go into this and kind of creating a vibe off that like regardless of what genre i'm playing or mixing uh so i think that it's less rusty in the actual performance of it but as you can imagine if you haven't put time into organizing stuff kind of like you know files on a computer or if you hadn't opened your your spotify you kind of forgot where playlists were and what songs were in what that's kind of where you can start to feel rusty if you're like god i want this energy, but I don't know where that is. These, you know, so it's it's being in there and really understanding kind of how you've organized stuff and and, and keeping up with music. That I think is is where I would feel rusty. Where I do feel rusty if I take some time off.
0: Do you really have to invest in the music to make sure that the crowd's vibing, or can you always just go to certain throwbacks and whatnot?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I think there's there's some elements of that, but it's like you you can't do the same magic trick too many times, right? Like and. I definitely am guilty of that. And Brandon is too. Uh, We were, I don't don't know if we said this, but we were we've been at a residency for like seven years at Trinity uh, every Saturday night. And so it's the same format. And so we get to, of course, we're always evolving the sound and make, you know, pushing the night forward with new stuff as, as it comes out. But, you know, things will cycle for a long time and we have to nudge each other and be like, Hey man, like you've played that, that shit four time, four <laughs> weeks in a row or, or, or something even longer like it's hard because sometimes that song will work yeah and it works but i'm just like dude you got to give it a rest and he says the same thing to me so i think we do always have our kind of go-tos and depending on you know, if you're playing a hip-hop night there's you know people always love dmx party up um, or whatever it is it's you know it's the same thing so like there's always those songs that that, that really can get a night going but <laughs> I feel like it's how you play them and you don't want to wear them out, especially if you're at a reoccurring gig.
0: They just put a, I play Call of Duty Warzone a lot. Shout out to you guys on Warzone. Always looking for extra players. If you're down, we'll have to share it on socials, but
1: you got to start Twitch streaming, man. I thought about it.
0: I honestly, so I haven't gamed very much since probably, I would want to say high school. Like I buy the new Madden, play it three times. That's about it. The new system was coming out. I was like, there's no way I'm getting it. But since COVID and everything that's going on, I'm definitely putting some hours in, and my me and my friends have like Warzone Fridays, right? There's is, we're all over the state. We'll get on Warzone together, drink together, that's have a little cool. drinking yeah, yeah. games. You die, you got push-ups. Gotta stay in shape, man. The gym's <laughs> okay. closed, you I know. Like, like yeah, yeah, we got yeah, some yeah. good that's banter cool. going, and it's a ton of fun. But it, when you're driving through cars or helicopters, they have a thing where you could add music now, okay. and it's a I have a hip hop playlist on there. They only give you three songs. But uh, DMX, Rough Riders, oh, yeah. uh, Jack Harlow, What's Poppin', yeah. and then some ga- song named, like, Grinder or something. Yeah, it's yeah. an old-school hip-hop song. Okay. But when you're seeing DMX, first thing, I hopped in my buddy's car, and he yeah. had that song going. Yeah. <laughs> Rough, I was like, oh! I was yeah, like, this yeah. is turned Up, right? Yeah, yeah, so sure. those, those songs are always there. And I think, you know, probably for our age, the nostalgia factor. Mm-hmm. You could probably always hit the certain age groups that you're showing out with the nostalgia factor. But is there a song that you go to that you're like, this is always if i need to pick up the vibes this is getting her done
1: oh man i i think it really varies man to be honest like i i couldn't i couldn't just put put one on i mean sometimes it's something like lyrics like it's just like we do a lot of layering of songs so i feel like there's a, a handful of little john acapellas, that <laughs> okay it's kind of like shot shots or, or something that you you put over like a build up and i think it's pretty hard to 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 stand still when you're hearing little John scream over <laughs> yeah, the mic. So exactly. I, I would say one of those, you know, but as far as the sounds, man, sounds sounds are so ever evolving, man, that like, it's hard to just pick one, you know, one type. And we play a bunch of different types of nights. So it's, you know, depending on the, the type of night, you know, it might be Jack Harlow, you know, <laughs> okay. or it might be, you know, some Martin Garrix big, you know, kind of progressive house banger. But.
0: Do you have a genre that you would say you have? And then is there a genre that your, your partner has or is it just very hybrid?
1: I think it's very hybrid man like if if you so DJs use this term called open format which I mean largely just means I play everything and I guess true open format means like I'll mix in country? Like, cu- yeah, no. Really? So Seriously. I mean, like you know got got a couple of buddies in the area that are like true masters of the craft, you know, they have a much wider scope than I do, but they can really mix anything like you know 80s yacht rock into like you know some edm into like a hip-hop song into old hip-hop it's just really amazing to see them work a room especially if it's with with a diverse crowd but uh so we do try to dabble in you know greater open format but the nights that we play and the cool part about our night uh uh reload saturday that trinity gotta plug that
0: if, there you if, go if we'll we give ever, you we'll give a social plug and everything at for the end sure, too. for sure if
1: we ever make, make it back is that we were really able to craft this to the music that we like. I think a lot of DJs, they are forced to play to a certain crowd or to a gig. I mean, luckily we got to kind of be the owners of, the, of our night after doing it so long. we actually got to mold it to kind of show our clientele, like, hey, this is what we think you'll like. And luckily they're vibing to that. Okay. And what we call it is open format EDM. So it's basically like, pop remixes so almost every song has a lyric that that will be recognizable uh but it'll vary from and I know you said you're not too familiar with like electronic music but you know stuff from like deep house to like trap to you know progressive house dubstep moombahton like all different types of bpm's um and all different types of to genres so i guess like if you're familiar with someone like Diplo he yeah of course he's not really confined to one genre he'll have some like reggae stuff well now
0: he's putting out albums that are literally country just album. mixing stuff right yeah. he's just yeah. mixing other songs it's crazy yeah the country one i was country like album too. dude
1: yeah so he's i mean i i just love going to one of his shows because it's like man not only is this guy actually a good dj which i think is is rare among good producers uh, a lot of people just produce electronic music but because
0: he is he's also someone else right uh or is this someone else
1: i no i think uh oh he's major laser major, actually. Laser, major laser yeah yeah, yeah he's part of that um but yeah man so i I think it's just really if if i was to say like what we do it's just blending that uh, a lot it's all going to be electronic you know in our in our at our night but it's going to be just remixes of that
0: and that's the question that i have so i grew up huge into music i think when you grow up in a small town in the middle of nowhere where it's dark at 4 p.m there's lots of snow and cold weather yeah yeah like music definitely gets you through, you know, today, like working from home, when I realized that this wasn't a four week thing, I was like, dang, dude, I'm going to be at home like for a minute. Yep. I had to start getting my routine down. I started playing music because I wake up to good vibes. I just feel better. Right. Mm-hmm. Where I live by myself, it's dark. We're in coronavirus. Like I could just wake up pissed off or like your energy not there. And I think music's just been something that my whole life has just helped me vibe right and helped me get my head right. And I definitely consider myself a music connoisseur. You know, I think I, I probably started slacking off when this whole EDM thing started moving up. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a very lyrical individual. I, I like to have the lyrics. So when it's just the beats, I think I just I lose gra- grit, grasp of it. Sure. But for me, it's like I feel like I could be a DJ. Yeah. I'm always at the party, yeah. right? I got the iPhone, yeah, or sure. back in the day, I got the MP3 yeah, yeah. player, the sure. iPad with all the fire. I'm I'm frost wire and lime wire, do whatever I can to get the vibes right. Yeah. I feel like I could just go up there and throw some stuff and just have a good time. So for the listeners that think that as well, because I'm sure there are, yeah. what would you say is like, these are the things that you don't you, you don't see up front that are behind the scenes? Like, what is a, real, a DJ doing behind the scenes? You talked about the layering yeah. and, and meshing together, but like, what are some of the behind the scenes things of DJing that really is an art?
1: Well, I mean, I think it, it depends what type of DJ you want to be, right? And it's kind of like, like playing guitar as well. It's like, some people want to be, you know, a songwriter on guitar they want to compose beautiful like spanish melodies right <laughs> uh or just yeah you know write something that you can sing along to it that's really nice and beautiful or some people want to be you know slash and just rip and solo and they don't necessarily want to worry about playing a song they want to focus on the technicality of it so the same with DJing too like a lot of guys just really strive to be like dope turntableists, and they just want to learn how to scratch and cut uh and and it's all dope man it's all different types of art so i think someone like you it's if you just wanted to get into it i think man like yeah just knowing music understanding uh you know i guess how to count beats for one like how music is timed is is pretty important uh understanding the difference in tempos as well and understanding keys um like musical keys and so this this might not be something that you know if if you didn't play an instrument growing up that that you might not know if the bat but if someone like yourself that listens to a lot of music i'm pretty sure you have a a, a grasp of these different tones and i was a trumpet player i played pep band i know and i'm
0: just for anybody else you know like for me it's like you grew up with so many hobbies i loved music i love sports i love whatever you know and I think if you get into too many hobbies and you're like, I want to do something that is an extra revenue stream or is a business, yeah. right? that you could run into dead ends really quickly. A hundred percent. And you know, DJing is something that someone might be like, sweet, I'm going to throw my $1,000 of savings that I have in my name. <laughs> yep. And then to your point, those consistent actions aren't there. They fall apart, and then they go on to the next thing. Now I'm learning guitar. Like, How many friends did you know growing up? Like, yeah, dude, I'm learning guitar. I'm going to kill it. And then like next week, oh, how's that guitar going? Oh, oh dude, screw yeah. that stuff. It was way too hard. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah,
1: man. And I, I think that uh, it's kind of interesting because right at the time where we started DJing, Technology enabled you to DJ without a lot of understanding of the skills, and so the funny thing about these iPads is they they were actually freaking hard, man. Like I I actually tried, I found it uh, a few years ago, and I tried to play on it again. I was like, dude, how are we doing that? No way, like you can't adjust it like you can on all the all the other gear. Um, but I, I like to kind of parallel DJing these days in the modern era to kind of like photography, right? Okay. So it's easy to go out and buy like a dope DSLR camera and you can take, or even a phone, right? And you can take a pretty decent picture. You know what I'm saying? But there's a difference of actually knowing how to frame it, actually knowing what lighting looks like, how, how to like work with the, if you're shooting people, how to get them to pose and relax and do all this kind of stuff that will set you apart from like just a guy with a sick iPhone 12 or, you know, new DSLR, to a, to a, a professional photographer for sure you know what I mean so I think the same with DJing it's like I mean especially you since I since you know you played trumpet it's like hey if could I teach you how to mix a, you know a handful of songs and get you like proficient in mixing yeah I, I could probably get you ready in a, you know a couple weeks spending with you you know at least on a very proficient yep. level but you know could you or someone who's off the street you know that wasn't really putting their heart into it could they actually do something that made sense to the audience i think that's where where it's a little different because it's like creating a mood or getting people to do stuff that they don't want to no one wants to get out there and dance you know especially the first one but it's like how can you how can you make them have a good time how can you make that person in the back or the person that's not having a good vibe how can you? and that's a
0: whole nother level of awareness that comes with time right exactly because to the point of photography i think that's one of the most probably hot uh, hobbies are is right now like i see everyone because sure. instagram what is it it's photos right social yep. media it's a lot of photos and you get the likes you get the attention you feel a part of like the community and you could see people that really are taking it to the next level are really mastering that craft but they have this awareness and the only way to get those types of things is to repetition through that time yep. and then to your point you can start filling out the crowd you can start feeling the vibes oh i need to pull this back or i need to start doing those things so i think that's really cool to speak into
1: yeah a hundred percent i mean the, the... Also for anything, man, it's like, like understanding how people that are better at, better at it than you are doing it. So listening to somebody, going to someone's show, you know looking at a photographer's photos that are better than you like all this stuff that's like you know how can you pick up from the best same with business man
0: i mean it's totally what it is i mean i always rolled the motto fake it till you make it right i had the confidence i, I had what i needed and i knew i wasn't there but it's like i'm gonna just keep doing it, and i'm gonna learn from the people that are better me and, and it is kind of a copycat world if you really want to be successful but everyone has their own strengths and weaknesses and just pulling bits and pieces from that uh, I was having a conversation with somebody at, at work today, um, just with sales, you know, it's a new quarter, like, what are you doing? What what can we do? Yeah, yeah. And I think people are so short term. And I talk about this, once my sports podcast is really going, I'll talk about this probably every episode. Today, everyone's just so short term grab, like short term gratitude, short term memory, mm-hmm. that they're like, Oh, man, you know, the Steelers are the best football team in the world. It's been one week, right? Or, and they forgot about the Chiefs and Pat Mahomes, right? Who's probably yeah, yeah. going to run it back again. You know, I'm a huge Steelers fan. I hope that doesn't happen, but like, <laughs> you, might you know? be in trouble. yeah, here. yeah. like yeah. everyone's just a week to week basis, yeah. man. And, and you got to realize it's a long game, right? It's yeah. not always just what's happening just this minute. And, and you got to pull those strengths and weaknesses and, and be aware of what's happening because. If you just live in the short term, you're also going to just change things. So, to the sales point, the guy was talking about reading a new book and trying to implement these things. And I was like, "That's great. Like I love to read books too, but I don't go home the next day like scripting out what they have and trying to change the game because then I'm changing what I've done that has made me successful, right? Sure. It's I think the cool part and I was talking to him is about the subconscious of how if I learn something or digest data or information that I've never had, you sleep on it. Our subconscious out there going to work and like really understanding it and really implementing that to our day. So the next time I'm on a sales call or something happens, I can start implementing those things. I don't even know what's happening, right? My subconscious is doing it, but Shane really doesn't know that that's being implemented and changing the game. Yeah. And I think that's, to your point, really the big thing that makes a difference because we do get so short-term minded, like, oh, yesterday wasn't a good day. I need to change. Yeah. I need to fix something, right? Sure. Or, oh, man, yeah, the Steelers won. They're the best now. They're undefeated. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think uh, that definitely is an aspect that comes into play. Do you feel like that comes into DJing? Um you know whether you have a good set or something's going wrong or something's going good
1: yeah i mean i, I think that you, you you always have to kind of take some things with a grain of salt and course correct and it also depends on like you know it, it's the same with sales or I, I imagine with you know sports or anything that you're doing um you know competitively it's like you have to if you do have a bad day you kind of understand that you that sometimes it's uh it's going to be a bad day both djing and sales are dependent on someone else saying yes, kind of. Like, yes, I'm ready to dance and have a good time now, right? You can do all that you want to do, but ultimately it's on that other person. They're they're independent, they're they're gonna make up their own mind. You can influence them. Uh, And if you know and you have a little bit of swag from some kind of success, you should know that it's like, hey, I have this plan and uh, it's worked in the past. Like, I think today is just kind of an anomaly and and i'm gonna build off of it but at the same time i think you have to be open to saying you know maybe i could have improved this or improved that or maybe things are changing maybe the landscape's changing in in the club or you know whatever it is and and i do need to start making incremental improvements because you can't keep doing the same thing forever
0: would you say that through that experience you've ever had like a really bad tank job as a dj like you and your buddy just like oh my gosh this was just miserable
1: dude so many i mean i would say so many (laughs) times but Definitely a few times when it was like, "Whoa, like th- that was bad." Like, what? Like, there was one I can really remember. I, I think it's it. We did get kind of cocky at one point, point. it was very. So always cocky. when you're
0: getting cocky too, right? Oh man! What stakes are the highest? on top of the world. Just be ready. There's a down, down hit coming. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta always stay ready. It, it, there was one time, and uh, a buddy of ours was throwing. Uh, a party at a bar called the Chieftain in Seattle University. I, I think it's kind of like over. I don't even know if it's still there, but
0: I've heard of that name. So yeah, it was like
1: a, it was like a college night on Thursdays or something like that. It was just you know the typical any college town in America. You could just find some little tiny DJ booth blasting music way too loud and way too obnoxious for the type of vibe in the in the bar. But that's just what it was. And uh, we went in there like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna come play a later set we already knew what we were going to play. We're just going to bang all these like hard tracks out. And like, we played like way too hard. This was like, you know, again, it was like an EDM set. So it was like, just like way too obnoxious. Like we were playing like, like we were headlining EDC, you know, at, 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 <laughs> at like, the chieftain. <laughs> at the chieftain. You know what I mean? And, it, it, and then our buddy that booked us was kind of just looking at us like, yo, what? The- the fuck are you guys doing man like and uh, like cleared the floor you know and that's like one that i remember that was like "Yo, know, we we thought we were super tight and and that's like that's not where we're at people aren't there just to see you you know i mean some people might be but mm-hmm. You still gotta, you still gotta play to them. You know what I mean.
0: Gotta have those humbling moments to set you right sometimes, right? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. What's the best show you've ever seen? So I know you've gone to EDC, right? Yeah. You've gone to what's the one in Miami? Ultra. Ultra. Yeah. What's like, maybe it's not a festival set, but what what's like the dopest set that you've ever seen?
1: Man, I saw. Um, it's funny because I feel like I'm not usually like a like a trance guy, but I saw Armin van Buren at. Uh, At ultra and that was like really cool. Um, yeah, it it was weird because everybody's like, oh, he's, you know, he's the king of trance. He's the king of this. And I actually was at a different stage. I was like, I'm not into trance. I like, you know, stuff with more pop lyrics. I like more remixes. And then I realized I was like, kind of getting bored by myself. And I went and, uh, to, to caught the very end of it and that
0: was that, it a late one or an earlier set
1: that actually happened to be the the headliner of the whole festival oh dang and i was so like snobby that i was like i don't need to see <laughs> this guy like i'm not into that kind of stuff um and anyways I, I ended up coming back and just kind of watching it and i was like okay i think i think i get it now you know so yeah. it's 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 cool to just you know And this is kind of one of the notes i had in my phone was just like i think one thing, advice I would just have for a lot of people is like, you be surprised the things you like that, that you have these preconceived notions about, you know, like trance, what the hell? Like, I like that. I don't know.
0: I can speak into that in music. I mean, going to Coachella, you see that, you know, they don't give you the set, I think, only a couple of days before. So you're like sure. there, you're like know the artist but you don't know what times are going to be at so then once the times are it's like dang there's three people i want to see or yeah screw these people i don't want to see them and you'd be so surprised you catch the vibes and you're like moving around where the where the things are that you actually like yep. uh best example i have i've only been to coachella once yep. right had to do it probably will go back again eventually was billy eilish oh yeah, yeah right yeah, yeah. i'm like yeah. why would i want to see this young girl that's like looks emo yep. Ter- she's got to be terrible. Yeah. My friend's like, she's kind of like a new... She's going to the next Taylor Swift. And yeah. I don't really like Taylor Swift. I was like, okay, cool. I'm not seeing her. She's dope, right? But anyways, <laughs> I'm at this... I can't remember who I was at. Like, Anderson yeah. Pack, And I love Anderson yeah. Pack. I yeah. think he's low-key. He's one of the, becoming yeah. one of the best rappers. Yeah. Just the flow that he has mm-hmm. is phenomenal. And it was cool, but it's like kind of at that point in the day where it starts getting nighttime. It's that cool set time yeah. where they start in the day and then it starts getting yeah, dark. Like time, yeah. And as it's getting dark, the vibes of Anderson was just getting low and it's not because anderson was putting on a show but you could see the stage to the right was just turning up and i'm like what is going on yeah. and i didn't know that was the stage that billy eilish was at yeah. go to her stage dude and jaw drop performance never yeah. even heard her music before blew my mind and now i'm the biggest Billie eilish fan she's winning all the grammys killing it yeah. and she made music out of her bedroom with her brother yeah. like how crazy is that yeah. and yeah i mean you, you can never prejudge but you know just the way i was told of what she was capable of i was like didn't believe it but went over there and was like whoa that yeah. was crazy
1: you know especially with concerts it, it, it's you know if they were of a reasonable price and you know you don't really have too much to do the next day or whatever like i almost always try to go you know and and i realize that to be honest it's okay if it's 50 50 because like people have such weird music choices and believe me i've been in some weird weird <laughs> concerts and shows and a lot of them i didn't like but you know then you just know you're like all right you know i tried that you can speak to it you know i feel like uh in business or any you know any social situation if someone brings up you know this you're like oh yeah i, I know that like and maybe they can tell you tell you how they like it you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying like like tell me how you appreciate this
0: yeah i think uh i mean just with anything with music you just got to fill it out give it a chance i agree with you with concerts i mean if there's a concert any kind of cost that i can afford i'm trying to go and i i thought Coachella and stuff before i had went to cuz my that's my first big festival sure, it's like sure. those are overpriced it's totally yeah. garbage the biggest reason I had went is because Childish Gambino is yeah. ending his music career, supposedly, yeah, yeah. and uh, this was supposed to be one of his last live performances. He's supposed to be at the Tacoma Dome. He ended up breaking his leg and had to reschedule. Yeah. Ended up canceling. So it's like this might be the only time I can see this guy perform, yeah, yeah. and I'm super hyped up. I go there to the set before him so I could get a good spot, and I think I'm quite a ways out there. But come to find out, there's a cat track that he ends up coming out that's like right in front of me. So I'm from here to the wall away from Childish Gambino, and he's just throwing down one of the best performances. And I say his was a performance because he's an actor, he's a Mm -hmm. comedian, and he put all that into a show. I feel like I was at a show, not a concert. And the funny thing is, is how close I was to him most of the concert, what would that ticket cost in a big arena?
2: hundred percent, yeah. I mean,
0: three, four, five hundred bucks. Yeah. And that's the t- ticket I paid for Coachella to be there for the whole weekend and see how many other, perf- uh, you know, performing artists through the whole weekend. So if you guys feel like that's not worth your time, budget for it, make it happen because it's definitely... I thought it was, like, cheap after that. Now I'm like, yeah, man, I got to go to these things. This is cheap. <laughs> like, I'm seeing all this performance,
1: you know? Yeah, funny story about that. So, like, I, I've i always loved rap music. Like, I like rap. That's, like, what I grew up listening to, like, hip-hop, right? But, like, I've always hated rap concerts because i feel like the guys don't take it seriously like i mean some some will obviously i'm, I'm blanket stating this but a lot of it's like the guys come out and they're faded you know and they're kind of like they're holding o- over the mic you know what i mean like so so you can't you can't hear what they're saying they just and,
0: rolled out of the tour bus
1: yeah i mean they're not enunciated you know what i mean so and there's some that are different performers and so i'm like man like i i'll like i'll go to like you know someone like Anderson pack or someone who's like you know singing and, and rapping and like you know but a lot of these rappers I, I won't really get excited to, to go see but uh, and I, I'll rather use a singing act instead but I actually went to Drake someone gave me a free concert and trust me I love Drake man like I like all his songs like I you know but I was scared that he wasn't gonna be a good performer and I was like man okay like I was blown away, bro. I was like, okay, like I first of all, I didn't realize how big a Drake fan I was until that. He's you got know? so many bangers. I, was I like, dude, mean, I know all these deep cuts, like these deep, deep, deep cuts. Like I was like singing the words to Tuscan Leather. There I you was go, like, exactly. what? I, was like, I love I, that song. I was, I was like, all right. So where was this? That was at Tacoma Dome. Yeah, bro. I went there
0: uh, like a year or two ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, well, was Migos nice. didn't show up. They didn't. Yeah. To your point, rappers not taking serious. I'm like, why did they not show up? Probably some sketchy shit. Well, and that's an
1: example <laughs> of that. I no, no offense, Migos, but like. Come out, on. No, shout out Migos, yeah. shout out Migos. Like like I said, like I, I haven't seen them perform, but now maybe I'm open to it. But like, that was just like the, the, the vibe that I was thinking. It's like, I love the Migos records and in the studio where they've got the compression and, and, you know, you know, it's well-produced. It's, it's dope. Like, I feel like they're making some of the sickest. Tracks. I wanted
0: to see walk it like I talk it come out yeah, there I mean, banging, dude. <laughs> but I was just
1: scared that I wasn't be able to hear anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was just going to be like not perform well, but like Drake, man, he, he, like I said, man, it's like you you have these preconceived notions and it's like, just say yes to more stuff, man. You'll, you'll be surprised. And sometimes. if you're
0: just trying to meet people, have a good vibes and just enjoy life, like a concert is a win-win. Like the know. only way you lose is if you go in there with a shitty attitude, you make it a shitty performance because there's going to be something that they play that you can engage with. Or sometimes you go to like... Coachella for example you go to a sets that you don't know anything about the artist but you see how engaged their fan base is it yeah. gets you hyped up You're like yeah. man this guy's hyped up like to your point you're singing Tuscan leather imagine someone who already knew Billie Eilish singing her random songs yeah. like you're into that like yeah. I went there because people were so into it you yeah. know yeah. and you want to be a part of it
1: yeah no I mean I think it's kind of I mean I realize that I'm kind of a foodie now uh, but there's a lot of types of food that I've tried once and I'm like oh, I didn't really get that but then if it's someone else's culture or, or or someone that actually really just likes this type of food, especially if it's like their culture or whatever, I'm like, yo, teach me what I'm looking for in this. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. same with music. It's like, so like, what do you like about this? Like, tell me, like, tell me what I'm listening for. Or like, you know, in this dish, like what am I trying to taste right now? Cause to me, I'm just, I'm a novice, you know what, yep. what I mean? So I think that's one of the things is going with someone that can kind of tell you how to appreciate something. It's cool. I mean, it might not always be for you, but I, I At least having that insight is always kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, not to tangent too far on food, but, you know, I grew up in Wyoming. It's like steaks and vegetables and meats. (laughs) and I mean, I probably had better steak and dry meat than a lot of people have ever had. But coming to Seattle, just the culture base here and the influences that there are has really changed the game for me. And the same thing like pho. Yeah. You know, I never even had pho before and I came out here my cousins they're from they're Filipino. They're like you got to have Shout pho, man. Filipinos yeah, exactly. Yeah. Filipino love. Yeah. Uh but like just those random dishes but unless they explain it to you and you really understand it, you probably won't as appreciate it as much. Yeah. And it's weird how that ties in it's all just mental. I mean, you tell yourself, like, you don't like this, you probably won't like it. Or you yeah. don't like this person, you know nothing about him, you probably won't like that person. It's just preconceived notion, right? 100%. But uh, I think you definitely just got to be open more. I mean, it opens books. You know, concerts. I've met some of my best friends here going to random concerts, going to LA Fitness, playing basketball. You know, whether it's food or whatever, you put yourself out there for those experiences. You're going to vibe with someone, get good connections that can guide you through it.
1: Yeah, definitely, man.
0: Now... Let's talk a little bit about your background pre djing So, where did you grow up originally?
1: Yeah, I grew up around here, Seattle area. Um, yeah, Northwest boy, man.
0: Okay, cool. So, Nor- Seattle through and through. Yeah. Did you did you grow up thinking that you'd just be at Seattle at this time in your life?
1: You know, I probably not actually. Like, I know that I I was always kind of like a like a homeboy. Like, I liked you know Seattle, but then I also. You know, kind of envisioned going other places, which I, you know, I, I did some stints a couple other places, but I always ended up coming home. Um I don't know, man. I, it's I got some family here, and I love snowboarding too. So you know, I, I, I think that's that's probably why I'm sticking around. I do kind of curse it around this time though, man. Like I swear, like I'm Dude. like. Are we leaving or what? What are we doing If
0: somehow the ski hills are closed, I probably will be depressed this winter. Yeah, 100%. COVID, nothing going on. I can make it through if the ski hills are open. Yeah. I think there will be. I think uh, I got the Icon Pass this year, and they're saying pass holders might have, like, first – advanced but if you leave early and you're not like the family that comes at sure. 10 or 11 o'clock you'll probably get in anyways but jesus man i really hope yeah those ski hills are open this year because it's going to get me through this shit
1: yeah no I, i'm the same way man and we talk about uh you know having income passive income i mean the goal obviously for me would be to have two places like i i love hot weather i love sun so like i think uh, you know live in some place whether it's like san diego or, or something just and I always joke with my fiance about this. I'm like, look, we got to, we got to move somewhere during fall and spring. Because in my mind, that's the worst two seasons because it, at least in Seattle, right? Cause spring, it's like always a crap shit. You never know if you can do something. It might rain. It might not. And fall it's like, it's getting dark. It's getting rainy and the ski hill isn't open yet. So it's either winter or summer e- either way. That, that's how I get through it over here.
0: It's funny. Cause the spring, I mean the fall, you don't have a ton of sun. You do here and there, yeah. but once the sun comes out, you you, you like you can't prepare because you never know what the weather is going to give you. But the day it is, you're like, we gotta do something. Mm-hmm. Like pack the bags. Where are we going? Yep. You feel like you just pounded five Red Bulls because you haven't yeah, seen yep. the sun in two weeks, right? You gotta yep. get going. Yep. Um, and that was definitely an adjustment for me living here for the first time because you just you have such energy waves from the sun. Sure. Um, but yeah, I totally feel you on that with the snowboarding. I, I mean, I definitely want to live geographically close to snowboarding as well. But you know, when I grew up in Wyoming we were pretty just unaware. I mean, we didn't grow up in the social media age where you see everything going on around you. For me though, I just had something in my back of my head. It's like, I get, get the hell out of here. Yeah. You know, I just saw the lifestyles of the people that I was surrounding myself with and was like, I, I want something different than that. You know, in my version, it's for better, sure. not necessarily better. People are super happy. there, living the life that they live. It's super low key. That's totally fine. It just wasn't for me for you growing up in Seattle. Was there ever like, you know, the kids that I knew that Seattle went to Montana, they always were like, through and through seattle like we'll never leave like you know sonics they're still the thing like screw basketball like did you grow up thinking like yeah i gotta represent or were you like man i want to go out and explore and it just never fruitioned
1: no no i so that that was me i wanted to go out and explore and so that that's why i traveled a lot man like i got some family in new york so i said that i went out to new york and did the new york thing for for a little while um was down in Miami for just a little little while. I mean, nothing too long, but love that place. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be in trouble. That's one
0: I that time. I pre-thought going in. I I will never want to live here. I can't handle it. Yeah. I hate it. I literally five days being there, like saw the cost of the condos I was like, damn, I should think about buying one. Of these. Dude, <laughs>
1: like, it I got so so quick. Like, you know, like I I love this place, and but I just didn't think that it it would it would be good for me. You know, and and I have family back here too, so. uh, You know, it was important to to come back. But, yeah, I mean, I wasn't one of those. I love Seattle. I'm a likey here. But at the same time, like, you know, if if there's an opportunity to go wherever, I'm not not locked down to it.
0: I think it is funny, the Seattle culture, because I'm still here almost, you know, seven years later. I didn't think I'd be here two or three years. You know, I just thought it would be a, a quick get my shit together and peace out. But there's definitely a culture here that's, like, so Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a sports guy. You have the local heroes, the Jamal Crawfords, the Isaiah Thomases, the Nate Robbs. They're all back here. They're all trying to help. Yeah. And to the point of, like, this, uh, the Sonics, like, everyone – that's from seattle i hate asking them like do you still watch basketball i do but like i hate everything like need yeah. the sonics back there's just such a die-hard fan base here that's so pro seattle i don't know where that's come from uh, but i think that's more unique you know i've traveled to quite a few cities myself but everyone's always open to or the revolving door yeah. but here it seems like there's a definite backing behind the 206
1: yeah man i think there's a lot of a lot of pride in it because you know there's a lot of influx of people from other places right and so I think that to be like a Seattleite to an OG, an OG yeah. Seattleite, I think a lot of people do take a lot of pride in that, man. Like I think, um, and especially, you know, we did have the Sonics. It was such a glory day back in the day. Like it was just something to get really excited about. And then the Mariners in like 95, those years, it was, it was just something really, really special. And then we were lucky enough to kind of have the, the run with the Seahawks, you know, so
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I've had mixed emotions with Seattle sports fans, but I appreciate the originals that, you know, they're going to get up in your face about the Mariners and act like they're good this year, and they know they're not. But, you know, I appreciate where where that core is coming from, and I think it's a very unique thing. You know, I haven't lived in other cities, so I can't necessarily say I – really digested those auras because you know the bostons and those places of the world i'm sure are the same sure i've never been to boston actually but i've been to a lot of big cities where you just see there's just people coming in and out and there really isn't that home pride so it is cool to see and you know like i said i have to kind of claim that i'm from here and i almost feel that like people are like, oh, you're just one of those SAS guys that moved out here for tech sales. Like, first off, I didn't move here for tech sales. Second off, like, I hopped on the train when it was moving with a full steam engine, and it's yeah, gotten yeah. me to where I am today, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. once you're on a train moving that fast, it's hard to get off sometimes, yeah. and I feel prideful to be a part of You know, like, shoot, man, the first few years I lived here, it seemed like Sims. Like, they were saying there was most uh, cranes per capita in Seattle, and buildings were just getting I thrown mean, yeah. up. And since... I've been here. I don't think I've never seen less than like 10 cranes in Seattle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know before this year, I feel like it was not slowing down at all. You know, it's just completely exploding and, you know, being from here, you're seeing these places that like you don't even recognize, you know, from, you know, when you grew up, it's just, it's kind of wild.
0: Yeah. Thinking or talking about that since you are from here, what would you say is the biggest difference from Seattle that you grew up to Seattle today?
1: Man, I think just like, um, just the sheer size of it, dude. Like this, it's starting to feel like, and I, you know, I have a small sample size because I don't have the comparison from other cities. But it's just like, uh, it feels like a big city. Like I've I've traveled a lot, I've spent time in you know other big cities, and it's just like, it definitely feels like more of like we're start. We're not there yet, obviously, but we're definitely moving towards that. We're having these like growing pains of, of, of a bigger city whether it's like traffic and infrastructure i know that's kind of a huge one we gripe about oh um,
0: man the infrastructure
2: we don't sorry we get started on that one
1: yeah and i mean just the diversity is growing too that I, I think i'm thinking while i'm talking but that that is really i think how it would uh it would have changed before people used to kind of stick to their areas you know what i mean like you you went to a certain neighborhood and you're like all right this is a very like asian neighborhood mm-hmm. Or whatever and i mean some of that is obviously due to like gentrification but i think now it's it's more of a melting pot people are more open to different cultures and i think it's actually kind of cool like you said i mean you know you're you're trying fun like all these other things it's before like i don't think people were as open-minded to that kind of stuff so i think that would probably be a big difference which kind of goes along with being moving towards a big city
0: yeah i mean when i think of seattle like bellevue is not seattle but i claim it seattle now like I don't think that would even be in a discussion to anybody that lived here probably 10, 15 years ago. But everything's so blended together, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm sure growing up, Bellevue was probably completely different to Seattle than it is now, right? Yeah, definitely. And that's all the way on the other side of the lake. I mean, at least 30 minutes from here. So it's crazy to think that, yeah, I mean, there's not the the Rentons, the Berians. I mean, they're there, but it all feels like Mm -hmm. it's still part of Seattle, just the way things have kind of blended together.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. It it is the the Seattle area now. You think of this, and I think a lot of that is you know having Microsoft out there, having yeah all the way in Redmond. Yeah, having Bowen at either end as well. It's it is just this is what Seattle is. This 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 makeup of it now.
0: So as we were getting some, uh, Woodenville Double Barrel, which I love this stuff so much. This is like I got my decanter right. I got my little bar for people to have a choice of what they drink if they want to. And this is definitely, like, the choice that I recommend for everybody. And I enjoy drinking. Sure. Have to maybe talk to them get a little sponsorship action. Hey, man, I'm getting everyone drinking double barrels. You know, (laughs) spread this and spread the word out. Like, hook a brother up. Oh, yeah. But anyways, he was talking about getting the whiskey and having his old job of bartending. So, I think something that's not really displayed and is almost a misconception is people think you got to know what you want, jump right into it, and just like execute. Sure. Right? And I was lucky enough, you know, I'm not a journalist right now, but I'm doing business in buckets. I'm using that skill that I have to pursue a sports podcast. Yeah. So it's definitely related. But a lot of people have like a whole diverse portfolio of jobs until they find the mold of, you know, you said you're 23 until you even really started this DJ thing. So what were some of the jobs that you had growing up and how did that influence you or what skills did you learn from them that you could apply to djing or sales and business
1: yeah so um man this might be a a kind of a long-winded answer (laughs) but but, i mean they're here for
0: you not for me i'm just here (laughs) kind (laughs) of
1: well thank you man no uh so yeah i went to school for marketing uh shout out uw foster business school so i was like okay like i'm that guy want to I want to go into marketing I want to you know make some money I want to I want to be like you know a successful businessman I don't think I actually really understood what that meant like I thought marketing was like I get to come up with like cool ad slogans and stuff like that I mean little did I know in that age marketing meant like running pay-per-click oh man so I got this job out of uh, college and I was like this uh, like pay-per-click marketing manager and man, I, I was not good at that job. Dude. Like, I I I think maybe it wasn't like, it wasn't something I was enjoying, which is the, the first step of not being good at it, but it was very like process oriented. And it was like, you have to, everything was manual. It was like, it was something smart she could solve, right? It was, it, was like, it was like, you do this and then you do this and then you export it from this system and then you do this and then you calculate this in this report. And that's not the way my brain's wired dude like i i'm not remembering those steps especially if it's something that isn't really interesting to me so i I wasn't good at it and uh i wasn't necessarily bad at it but i was just like not how long did that one last it actually lasted like a year and one week to to, 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 to the date i I remember like coming back from like new year's break I, i was thinking about it and i was like you know what like i'm not feeling this and then i just I, I went out for a walk and I came back in and I wrote my boss a letter and was like, Hey, like, I'm actually going to resign off this thing. Like, this is, this is not, this is not what I'm feeling. And she was like, Oh, like, do you have a plan or, or did you get a new job? You know? And I was like, well, no, I don't have a new job. I actually have no plan, but I definitely don't want to be here anymore. And and I was out. And so um, after that, you know, I, I I was lucky enough to have a, a, like a decent network. So I did some kind of like tried a bunch of stuff, man. I was like an account manager for a little while, I uh, worked again. What's
0: account manager mean? What is it? Like, Give us some details.
1: Yeah, man. Like for like, for, uh, for, again, kind of like a marketing, like all, all, all encompassing job, uh, you know, client relations, like, you know, making sure that people who bought stuff were, were, we're okay. It just it it wasn't. I I think I didn't realize at the time I was I was on the I'm born for the sales side, not necessarily for that like customer relationship management and and marketing was okay, but that was what I went to school with for. So that's what I thought. Uh, that's what that's all I thought I had necessarily. And I eventually just wanted to take a break, so I just kind of quit the corporate world. I was doing like some pro bono uh, work uh, for some friends, and also just kind of coming in as like uh consultants uh you know for various marketing roles since i knew how to do pay-per-click that was like the the one thing that i held on to i would like do pay-per-click advertising for um you know local companies but i I ended up just getting a job as a bartender that's what i did during college and uh just tending bar man and it, it, it actually was one of the things that really led into djing i think because i wasn't worried about uh you know the grind and you know leveling up it in the corporate world and i was really just able to hone in on this craft and another part of it was i was actually able again to, to work this schedule so i was able to be out at all these gigs just like chopping it up with these guys i was just around network this, man network dj going oh by net- the way i'm a dj yeah net- networks to get work you know it was like i didn't have to i had the it was a, the sweetest bartending gig ever actually it was uh i think i worked i eventually got the schedule so i worked sunday night through wednesday or, or thursday uh and then th- or thursday i got off early so i could gig thursday gig friday gig saturday and uh, it was at this little bar that's still there nijo sushi right downtown it's just still friends with the owner so shout out them if you're ever down there uh, but it was cool, man. And, and it just allowed me to be flexible. I didn't have to go to work till 3pm. So I could work these, you know, stay out and schmooze these long hours and, you know, be around all these people and just kind of network. Uh, and I think honestly, that was one of the major things that really just kind of allowed me to just focus on, you know, DJing. And, um, you know, when I was ready, I, I went back in, into the workforce.
0: Cool. So <clears throat> let's start with the pay-per-click thing. When I think yeah. of pay-per-click today, Facebook's huge. I worked at a startup called Flipped, which was real estate sales. Basically, it's trying to help uh, real estate agent get seller leads because there's like the Zillows and those of the world that are really helping them with buyer leads. Sure. Um, so I think of that. I think of email. What what kind of softwares were you running when you were doing that and really oh, pushing towards?
1: Like Okay, so I remember that all of the uh... – the search engines had their own thing so google adwords had its own code that you had to upload yahoo had its own one i think msn had its other formatted stuff and i was just running those text ads like like the ones that are you know at the top of a google search and just alternating copy it's like okay this copy worked based on this huge data report that i ran now let's put this one in so again i think it was sort of like this misconception It's almost this misnomer of like what marketing was it's like hey i thought in college i was gonna be doing fun stuff and this is basically like a data analytics job you know what i mean and i remember that the final straw for me was like uh (laughs) uploading the hawaii like one of my accounts was hawaiian airlines and it was just like uploading the 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 fares specials as they changed and it was like this airline price is this much, and a flight to Hawaii uh, from, from Maui to SFO is this much. And I was just like, man, like this is just not, again, how my brain's wired, you know?
0: Do you feel like anything you did through that year and a week? I love how you know it's so specifically. It's yeah. year and yeah. a week. Year That's how week. you know it wasn't meant to be. Yep. <laughs> but was there anything that you took from that that you were able to implement today, whether at Smartsheet? By the way, he's a, a major in sales, just means he's working with business size. 2000 up, yeah. yeah. 2000 up, so the big boys. I'm in mid market trying to get to the majors, right? Um, But he's working with big companies, Smartsheet, uh, software that you can sell, productivity software is the best way I can put it, uh, basically to any business. And um, you've been doing how long with Smartsheet?
1: I, just, I think I just hit uh, three years, man. Congrats. Yeah. Three years. It's yeah. a big mark.
0: And then you had done DocuSign before. Have you done other software sales before DocuSign? No,
1: DocuSign was the first.
0: Were you there pre-IPO or post-IPO? Pre-IPO. So pre-IPO, right? IPO hitting the New York Stock Exchange when business is really clicking. It's when you can know you'll be in the landscape for a long time. You're not just a uh, startup company that's going to sell your company to somebody else just to make some money. Um, so now that you've been in sales for how long were you at DocuSign?
1: almost 4 years
0: like, so 7 yeah, years uh, and you are a DJ do you feel like anything from the paperclip job that you hated translated to you today anything at all
1: A ton of it man like so the the one thing that that job taught me was like how to be a professional in the workplace so it was like the transition from you know these college internships that I had to like knowing how to be accountable knowing how to like knowing how to wake up early I was never really a morning person still still I'm not, but I'm kind of working on it.
0: Yeah. Karen comes to the office, like 11 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't tell the no, no. Uh,
1: but I feel like now I, I'm more of a morning person and just knowing how to be on a schedule. I think that's what that job taught me. And really, I think that paid off when, you know, doing some of those like entrepreneurial stuff that I was doing. And also just like in DJing, I think that's kind of what gave us an edge is like, look, I had that albeit one one year professional experience it was like look i knew how to follow up with someone like if someone told me to be here at a certain time like i would i would be there at that time or if someone told me like hey can you please send me something as trivial send me your guest list by 7 p.m it's like it, it was in whereas you'd be surprised man i mean or maybe not surprised you know some of these cats in nightlife you get a lot of interesting people And people that maybe haven't had the same type of experiences or like level of professionalism that you may have had. And I think that not to say that you can't learn that over time, but it's not something that's like accustomed to that life. Whereas, you know, in a in a in a corporate job, it's like you got to do this or you're out the door real Mm -hmm. quick. You know, so I think that was one of the things that gave us an advantage is like our organization, our level of like, you know, I guess just business acumen and like relationship acumen with owners, people that ran nights, et cetera.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just wanted to bring that up because, you know, like I said, I kind of knew, I mean, I did manual labor in Montana through college reason being I got in, I was getting paid way more than a typical minimum wage job. And, um, I got paid under the table, right? Sure. So watch out, got paid on the table, but uh, I was in high school. And I kind of knew and got drilled down as I talked to you about in my prologue episode with my math teacher, kind of gave me the advice working with sports, something that you appreciate. I got lucky I'd gotten the advice and stuck with sports. But as you can see today, I'm still not a sports reporter because of the red flags I saw. I just knew that it wasn't for me. So to Akira's point, like, first off, if you're not happy with somewhere, whether you get fired because you're not putting in the effort or whether that you leave because you realize it's not for you don't feel like it's just an immediate failure right yeah. he, he's talking about the skills that he's translating to other jobs for me I'm more of the guy that if I'm leaving a company I want to I've been interviewing I got a plan I'm ready I'm scheming up right everyone's a little different you didn't have a plan that's fine but it' ended up working for the good you know I've lived and died by fell forward you fell. You move forward. You use that experience and help implement to that in the future. I think a lot of people just fail. They sure. don't move forward. They don't use it as learning experience. Fail again, fail again, and then they're just in a tough spot. So big advice there is just don't think that everything has to be perfect, but use the skills and translate them because you never know where the advantage can be. And to the point of follow-up, man, like... My friends that are just kind of last still live in Wyoming and Montana. When I come to town, I always have a week that I come to town like, damn, Shane's going to have an agenda. He's got this stuff. He's going to follow up with us. And they're like, whoa, it's too much. But I guarantee you if I ask them the week that I'm there out of a scale of 1 to 10 how much fucking fun it is and how much of a good time we have, they're like, oh, it's the best week. Always the best. Right? They're always stressed out that I have the agenda. I'm rolling things out. But like. It, you know, if people are cool and not following up with you, you got to be the one that follows up. Not if you exactly. really want something, right, whether it's a job opportunity, it's having fun with your friends, because in today's world, like no shit. I have a bunch of cards, holiday cards that I have on my dresser because I feel like I have so many good friends and connections that we just don't speak as much anymore. Sure. But it takes someone to put the effort. To make that speak it's not that we're not friends it's just that someone's not putting in the effort you know i'm guilty of that too i've been here for seven years and i'm not putting in the effort sure but i'm going to write handwritten notes yeah. to everybody and just give them my life update and be like hey i consider you a very close friend i want you to stay in connection but it's that follow-up that makes the difference i feel like people i think i heard a quote that you know i might have murdered this but it's like a depressed person is a phone call away from changing their life right percent. Because not everyone has that. You know, I'm an extroverted person. Would you consider yourself introvert or extrovert?
1: Man, honestly, kind of both, dude. I I would say I'm probably an introvert. But in the right situations, I'm an extrovert, which is weird for a sales Mm -hmm. guy and a DJ.
0: For sure. But you have the skill set and the professional experience to understand the concepts. And that probably brings out the extrovert in you. For me, I just think being an only child in the middle of nowhere does that to you. Like you're either just going to be very inverted introverted and like to yourself or very extroverted. Because like if I wanted to have friends, guess who had to do the work? This guy, right? If I wanted to have the job, who who's going to do the work, this guy. And I always had to go above and beyond, but I think just the art of following up and why I love sales so much is just such a, you know, something that's not talked about. And unless you are in sales really isn't talked about. And I think, you know, I talked about in my prologue how sales is a cool thing because it's really just a skill set that could help you anywhere else, right? Whether you want to be a, like, I don't think anyone grows up like, I just want to be a salesman. Usually, when people say salesman, it's like the sleazy salesman that's yeah, a, kind yeah, of that yeah, bad aura yeah, to it, right? Yeah, yeah. But the sales experience that you have can take you so many more places or level you up to anything, you know, like just scheduling guests. Like, I thought I could roll this podcast out in a certain amount of time. One thing I didn't consider is other people's schedules. Yeah, like I'm trying to have CEOs and other people on this on this podcast, and I was like, oh yeah, they got a big schedule; I can't just do it. But you know, I'm not—I I have them booked now, but I wouldn't have them on the podcast if it wasn't for that follow up and that kind of professionalism with it. Because there's a difference between professional follow up and just being an asshole, too, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> you got to—I mean, you got to read off off that person. You know yep. I mean,
0: so Sales one on one here. No. Yeah. Um, cool. So we talked a little bit about your previous experiences. One of my big things and that I talk about a lot and that I'll have my guests talk a lot about on the business sides is growing personally and professionally. You know, really my goal, people like, do you got an end goal? Do you know what you want? There's so many things I want that, you know, one or two years in my timeline can change things drastically what that end goal is. But I do know at the end of the day, I want to grow personally and I want to grow professionally and continue that. And I think that's why business is so great because no one's starting a business. Yeah, the financials there, but they're wanting to grow from other people as well. So for you being a DJ, obviously you're wanting to improve your DJ skills and, and keep moving up with that on the rise and run and solo DJing. Sure. But is there some personal goals that you have and some things that you're doing outside of DJing and sales that you really take seriously or any routine, routines that you take seriously that you would like to provide some feedback on?
1: Yeah, man. I I mean, one thing that I really have learned, especially in COVID is um, the importance of personal health and like, uh, like moving, like it doesn't really matter like what you're doing, but you got to move. And like the most successful people are always, uh, you know, CEOs, whomever these people are. One thing that they have in common is they work out first thing in the morning. And I'm still not at that point. Like I, I would say I do that about like half the time, but I but I have now always worked out, like whether it's a lunchtime workout or even an evening workout, is I do always exercise every day, and that's something that I uh, actually I got uh, a tape from uh, a, a teammate of ours. I want to say his name on the podcast. Yeah, but, fine. Um, He was like, "Hey, I got these insanity tapes," because he's in shape. Like this is how I'm staying in shape. And I I did it and I, I you know, stuck to it. And that's really, I feel like part of what's been keeping me sane, helped me lose some weight, gain some confidence even during COVID. Uh, so I think, yeah, personal health, it, it starts with, uh, if you think of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, just like, you know, being physically well, will, you know, help you up top too. So that's one thing that, that I've really learned.
0: Outside of the physical health, I mean, I could attest to that, you know, I don't have the six pack, I've never, you know, I don't know if it's... Most of the men in my family are six five, three hundred 300 pounds. Yeah. I'm a little bit different than that. Yeah. They're just big sons of a guns, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah But, course. you know, personal health, to your point, like having that routine has been such a big part for me. And I'm a, I'm a morning lifter. Yeah. When it's dark like this, sometimes it's piss and rain you know, with the work from home schedule, we have flexibility. Sure. I think I did a 12 to two workout today yeah. because I had the flexibility within my schedule. So like sometimes you don't wake up, you still have time and then you have time in the evening. We don't have to worry about the commute. So that's more time back in your day. Yep. But I think working out in the morning helps my energy and attitude throughout the rest of the day. Cause I'm doing the hardest thing in the morning the that everything is, else is oh, easy. Yeah. Some customer pisses me off and there's a big issue. It don't matter. I did squats today, motherfucker. Yeah. I mean, it's not what I'm thinking, but yeah. mentally that's just how it works. Yeah. Um, since you're not a morning person, what is kind of the routine that you have at home through quarantine that might help somebody else?
1: Yeah, so yeah, I would say I wake up, I always I, I stick to it, so I, I, I always shower in the morning. I'm one of those people that I feel like, uh, shower workout is one of those things where it's like you got to do it. You got to dress up, to, uh, not like you know, I'm not wearing a tuxedo or anything, but I, I dress. Kind of like how i would go to the office or i would dress in you know something nice and presentable i'm not working out with my hair you know sleepy hair i'm not working out in my pajamas i feel like it's like look we may be in a different environment and this is just what what works for me but come to the office as a professional um you know zoom cameras are a thing now you never know when someone might want to turn that dot on so it, it i don't want to get caught off guard and so i think just knowing you know that you come to the office ready, having your meals planned out as well. I'm not like a big meal prepper, but the advantage here again is like you said, you have more time in the day because you're not commuting. So eating at uh, pretty regular times uh and eating good foods is nice that you're cooking at, at home not having are you the cooker
0: that. or is the fiance the cooker
1: both actually man so like yeah I'm, I'm i'm part filipino so like filipino men like you know a lot of times we're, we're big cookers i know my dad was but uh yeah my fiance can get down too so we we do we do take turns on that um we actually work completely opposite schedules because she's a uh, like a morning news producer so oh,
0: she knows all about the journalism world. Um, I should have her on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, t- yeah, talk about uh, just trash
1: journalism. <laughs> no, no, she, she, uh, yeah, she'll, she'll definitely give you an earful if you try to trash journalism. But that's no, good. Yeah, she. Uh, anyways, but but it's just, this is journalism, I guess, right? No, this this is. This, I mean, I think this is the rawest form. To be honest, it's just you know unscripted. There's
0: no big company that gives you the limitations, right?
1: One hundred percent um but yeah i think just just having a routine and having a schedule whatever that is and sticking to it and that's one thing that's really helped me Uh, also part of that schedule is taking breaks and walks just getting outside and i feel like i've been lapsing on that more but it's something that i've been trying to work on it's just hey you said you were going to take a 10 minute walk at this time it's important to do that it's important to move your body be in motion at all times don't be static um your work is your home so do something that just get you out of the house whatever that may be run an errand you know see people i think that's really what's keeping me sane keeping me successful during this kind of weird time
0: and um when it comes to the foods i mean do you have certain foods that you guys like i mean Filipinos got a whole bunch of <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. like we don't have to go to all of it but is there specific types of foods that you guys are doing to to eat healthy and keep the vibes right
1: yeah i mean i th- i think it's more just a, a variety i mean th- that's just the kind of the name of the game is like our i'm like a husky guy by nature that has to work to to slim down so like i i can't necessarily just work out and and be good so i do have to diet at some point but i i do have a a good friend of mine that is uh was a personal trainer and one thing that he told me is that you know it's not about having a tight diet all the time it's about having a consistently consistent diet so that's what i strive to do is just have something that works that's still tasty that's not maybe the the absolute cleanest but i'm not eating you know french fries every day either
0: yeah so the problem for me is is i have like the Twenty meals of good food sure and it's at 20 meals over and over right i don't have i don't have some i don't have the night like the filipino diet is like so advanced in spices and flavors that i don't think you could ever feel like you're on that same routine true do you guys see yourself going through the same types of meals are you always changing up you're looking at recipe websites or whatever to change up the game
1: of course yeah and i I mean i think it also does help to have you know her to bounce ideas off of and and you know she has her her own culture being from uh from taiwan uh or her family's from there so like she has her things that that she's kind of familiar with and i i have some of mine as well but i mean we we definitely do get bored of stuff man i mean it's 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 just one of those things where we get in these repetitions where it's like oh i thought you liked that no i thought you liked that oh is that why we had that four <laughs> weeks in <the> a <laughs> row you know uh but yeah i mean it comes organically, you know, seeing other people eat stuff or just kind of getting ideas sometimes from getting takeout or, you know, could we make that a little bit, var- you know, variation? I won't claim to be a master chef by any means, but I do have the ace up my sleeve. I lived with a, one of my best friends. He is like a master chef uh, for John Howie.
0: Uh, okay. Love the happy hour burgers, baby. Oh, man. <laughs> so
1: John Howie actually has a, a, a Microsoft campus restaurant that's available like at a huge subsidy but it's fine dining for their executives that they can take to meetings or whatever and my buddy is basically uh i don't think you can be called an executive chef at this but because john howie is but he's basically that guy and so he comes up with a menu et cetera. and i had the luxury of living with this guy for a long time and i felt like that stepped up my cooking game exponentially just being able to say hey what are you why are you doing that like what like what what are you combining so understanding those and I still can you know hit him up for some recipes albeit his food is more tasty <laughs> and healthy but you know you, you can still get some ideas from this guy
0: so the big thing for me that I'm trying to add and I don't know if it's purely due to covid but I think covid's enhanced it as a night routine sure I've always been I don't know if I'm necessarily a morning person. I think when I was a kid, I was easier just, I'd wake up before my alarm type of thing. Yeah. Now I'm, the alarm's going off. I'm snoozing a couple times, but I'm forcing myself up. And once I do, I feel better. So that's why I'm vibing it. But I never really had a night routine. Usually I just go, I kind of had an idea of nighttime because if I want to get to the gym, I need to have X amount of sleep. And recovery is, I'm realizing as I get older, a bigger thing than anything. And I think as you get older, recovery probably is more important than when you're in college and high school. You could get trucked out in the football field, wake up the next day fine. Now it's like, whoa, what's going on? Um, And some of the things I'm realizing, like, you know, we were playing Warzone and that just gets me so hyped up. Like I have to cut Warzone off by 8 if I want to be in sleep at 10.30 just because I have that adrenaline, the motion. And you know, we're at home staring at screens all day. I have an 82-inch TV in my apartment. So like staring at that thing, like if I'm just doing that and I'll see myself, I'm pretty good at making myself go to sleep. I don't have the issue of just like staying up forever. But I don't sleep as well and I don't feel as recovered if I'm playing Warzone, chilling on the TV. So one of the things that makes me fall asleep, which is a pro and con, is reading books. And I do have a goal of reading more books um, but some of the people that I follow, one of my buddies Sean O'Malley is doing a UFC. Uh, podcast, and he's also a, a professional UFC fighter. He talks about his new, uh, night routine, being a professional athlete, and how important it is to him, and stretching. They do a, a cold plunge at the end of the night that calms you down and, and settles you down. I don't have a cold plunge, but I'm starting to do stretching at night. Yeah, I love stretching before workouts in the morning, and I'm huge behind that. But just stretching at night, to your point, getting that little extra body movement, but it like limbers you up for bed, and those types of things have really helped me through coronavirus to really dial in a routine and tight schedule. Cause I find myself when I'm not doing those things that I don't sleep well, I don't get up to the gym in the morning. When I don't get up to the gym in the morning, I don't feel the same at work. Then I'm trying to force a workout in the evening and then everything's just messed up. Sure. Are you doing anything in the night? That's kind of a routine.
1: I mean, it's kind of funny these days. What I've been doing is I've actually been trying to, I mean, um, uh, not leave my communication uh to till, till the next day so if i do have someone that called me or or texted me or emailed me or just you know an idea that we we're bouncing i'll actually strive to like give those people a call you know those friends and just chat about that rather than text and that's kind of become my nighttime routine where it's like hey i'll just call you and i feel like that kind of makes me feel more human i talked about kind of this idea about being in motion all the time, whether it's your body and moving your, your mind, whatever it is. And I know this may be kind of contradictory to what some people say when I like settle down at night, but I feel like it's not like I'm stressing myself out. I just think it's important to, to keep your mind moving, to engage in stimulating, stimulating activity, not just being on the couch. So what I have done is just at some point, you know, in the evening, I'll just call those people that I've been having a text conversation with and talk to them and just kind of hash it out and it's weird but the reception i've got is that these people are kind of craving that attention on the other side too saying like hey man like i'm we end up having a, a, a way longer conversation than i thought you know uh, is it just
0: me our phone calls go way longer these days
1: a long time yeah it's and it's, it's kinda, a human connection it's, man it's nice so i i think that that's been the big change in routine and then just kind of like getting uh you know, getting older, just making sure that you know I'm not eating too late at night, drinking water, taking vitamins, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for my food diet that's changed as I've gotten older is definitely like, to be honest, I tried the fasting thing for a while mm-hmm. and it was fine, but I, I I'm I haven't allowed myself to cut out alcohol. Yeah. And when you don't cut out alcohol, you're just screwed with the the whole fasting thing because you'll get you know if you fast Monday through Friday really well, but you eat like shit Saturday and Sunday night cause yeah. you've been out drinking, it's, it doesn't make up for it, it. Up for it. <clears throat> but what it has showed me. And really I had kind of found in tune with my body that I ran better, lifted better, performed better. Just everything is if I don't eat past six, 7 PM, which is pretty early. But when I go to bed at ten thirty, that's pretty early too. And you got to give yourself that time. And that's just the way my body works. So to your point, I think that's a huge thing. Just really dialing that in. I, I think, the rule golden rule growing up was like don't eat past seven or whatever i don't yeah. know That's whatever but now as i'm older i'm like really into that and like my friends are like yo let's go get food i'm like man it's eight o'clock like i'll just yeah. not even digested this before i go 100%, to bed <laughs> 100%. yeah i
1: mean my fiance, she's uh she i mean she's in the news so she produces like the the news at seven o'clock in the morning uh or like actually these days like uh five and six in the morning actually uh hey. she, she produces <clears throat> those shows so um she goes to bed very early and so we eat dinner very early as well so um my struggle is not eating a snack at at, you know late night because it's you know i'm eating dinner at four four or five o'clock you know it's 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 a long time before i go to bed at 11 or whatever
0: it is when i was doing the fasting the golden rule he had is you have the window that you can't eat and my window was closed at like 4 p.m so i couldn't eat past 4 p.m but at 8 o'clock, you break the window. It supposedly helps you get in a deeper REM cycle with a banana with peanut butter. Okay. So if you do have those snacks because your fiance is working that new shift, try that out. It put me – it like I had never been in such deep sleeps in my life. Yeah. And I haven't done it since I was fasting, but I had the craziest dreams, which means you're in that good REM cycle because I think that's why I don't – really remember my dreams or go through my dreams. I don't get enough REM cycle. Sure. There's like all these sleep rings and things you could do to track your sleep. I should probably get more into that. I'm not a professional athlete, so it's not as huge. You know, I feel like I'm doing okay. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah, home yeah, enough, yeah, but, yeah. um, that definitely was a game changer. So you might want to check that out. I don't know what the science is behind it, but yeah. I mean, I don't think I'd ever been to sleep and fell asleep so hard after eating a banana uh, and peanut butter. It's crazy. Um, but DJ life, when I think about being a DJ, it's almost like you said, it's show business, like superstar status, whatever you want to call it. Um, how long have you had a fiance now?
1: Well, actually, it just turned one year. I proposed about a year ago. Okay. Yep.
0: So you've been in a pretty serious relationship for how long?
1: Uh, gosh, now I'm, now I'm in trouble. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going on five years now.
0: So a long time, serious no. relationship, fiance, I'm, sure, I'm assuming marriage, hopefully post- uh, coronavirus that's yep. the goal yeah <laughs> Definitely. um so with that going on how, what was it like being a dj while being in a serious relationship for someone in a completely different industry as a news producer sure, sure. and her being okay with that kind of lifestyle and trust like what were some of the things you've gone through and what's that experience been like
1: well yeah i mean it, it's it's funny because the the joke that we make is we try to say uh if, you know have a different story for how we met a more interesting story but we actually met at trinity nightclub you know it's kind of weird. where dreams are made that's what I'm <laughs> I think a, a lot of a lot of my friends have you know met their 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 significant others at the club and more specifically i wouldn't expect
0: a news producer to be at trinity nightclub
1: <laughs> yeah i mean you know she's uh you know she, she's a young lady too and i feel like uh Got to have that balance, right? Uh, one of the things that stuck with me the most uh, was the old CEO of DocuSign, Keith Crock. This guy, absolute beast of a CEO and just an all around animal. One thing that he always said was, He never misses a party, right? And there's a lot of reasons for that is you know, networking is you know, uh, a way to release, a, a way to connect with people. So I think that there's, there's really nothing wrong with. Uh, going out and letting loose sometimes and you know this uh shout out to my fiance she she does love a a good night out and you know she was really into electronic music uh, as well so boy shall we met her
0: did did you ever have any difficulties though with her knowing that you're out DJing there's women out there you met her sure, sure. at a DJ show or yeah, anything yeah. of that nature
1: no i mean uh she's super kind of alpha and she she's very sure of herself and i think that You know, once we got serious, it was just like, look, you know, this is kind of just a job no different than, you know, if I was, uh, I don't know, uh, any other job that was around uh, attractive people. It just happens to be, uh, you know, in music. And she understands that scene. And I think one thing that was also important is that, uh, you know, she knew the game when she got into it. I think that it it would be hard if I said, look, all of a sudden, I want to be a DJ tomorrow. So I'm gonna change my schedule. I'm gonna be at this nightclub all the time, drinking, you know having you know uh, you know meetings with the, all these people late at night coming back late. but it was she grew accustomed to it and we got to kind of tiptoe in this relationship and she knew that was kind of the lifestyle I was living. I mean it also helped at that point. Uh, I was already in my career in sales too, so I wasn't like full on DJ mode. but uh, yeah it, it wasn't a big change for her.
0: When it comes to sales and DJing, that seems like two completely different things. Sure. In my mind, because I've been in sales actually longer than you technically. Yeah, I think probably. I've been in sales for 7, 8, nine, 10, 11 years. Okay. Yeah, you got I've to been be selling fans. stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think sales is comparable to anything. That's yeah. why, honestly, business and buckets is what it is. I think entrepreneurship and sports have so much to do with each other. Sure. You know, I'll just kind of give the, the audience some perspective. We have a monthly quarterly quotas, and it's performance-based. Sure, we live ah uh, amongst the guidelines of our company, but a lot of it's determined on our own determination, our own outlook on things, and the way we perform. And then, if you do over your quota, you get paid more money, like a professional athlete. If I'm a running back and I keep performing better than everybody else, I'll probably get paid more money. Sure. And that was definitely a big benefit to me. But there's a lot of ties there. So to me, I could see a lot of ties to DJing and sales. You know, maybe to an outside looker, outside person looking in, there's probably a, quite a few differences. So as you've gone into sales for quite a while now and been DJing for a while, do you feel like those are the two things that you want to ride for a while and, and that those two do well together? Do you feel like you want to just be able to use sales financially to pursue the DJ dream? Like, what what is this leading to in your vision?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think a few years ago, yeah, the uh, the goal was to be Tiesto, right? But I, think, <laughs> I think that, that ship is kind of sailing here, you know? So um and I'm, I'm content with now with you know not being a professional dj you know as my sole source of income I'm, I'm good with good with what i'm at good with what i've achieved um but yeah i would say that there there is a lot of uh parallel between the two i mean like you said dj is show business and the the analogy i like to use it's kind of like anchorman so you never know when that veronica corningstein <laughs> is going to come in right you know we we have been running our own night for the past seven years at a, at a club it's our night we book the djs we also dj i'm i know how much i'm gonna get paid I, you know I, I i don't have to do too much extra promotion i'm just mostly there to dj and run the night which is nice but that's not to say that i talk with brandon all the time and say look we have to keep performing at a high level because you never know when that next person there's a million people in those crowds uh that are staring up at you saying, look, I could do that. I could do much better than that guy. So it's important to to, to show out every time and to really take this as, you know, uh, with some gratitude and to understand that you're in a great position and you need to keep performing at a high level to, to maintain that.
0: Yeah, I think uh, a quote that I have grown very accustomed to that relates to that is a Mark Cuban quote. And they asked him, because he was such a young, successful, entrepreneur and was able to own a I think potentially the youngest sports owner ever. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah. And he yeah. was asked like how do you keep going when you've already had so so much success at a young age and he says the funny thing about success is there's someone being born right now or someone that's just learning the skill set that you are right now that looks and sees what you're doing is going to use your recipe for success and use that against you to try to be better than you are. Yeah. He's like, if I don't keep pushing and keep pushing myself to grow personally and professionally, they're going to pass me up and they're going to take my opportunity. Sure. He's like, I'm too young for that. I don't like that. That's what keeps me motivated. So I think that's a, that's a cool quote that kind of ties into that. And I think everyone should consider because I mean, how into the sports world, how many professional athletes do you see that are on top of the game in the next year, they're nothing. Yeah. And then the guy that was behind them had taken their job. Right. Yep.
1: You can't get too comfortable and I mean obviously age does come into effect. I mean, it's not like your your body will will deteriorate as a DJ, but you know, it might depending on how you you know Yeah, you know. I mean
0: let's think of that. I mean Tiesto's how old?
1: God, he's gotta be fifty these days.
0: And but is he really uh, one of the top performing still just banging out DJs?
1: I feel like he's he's definitely up there, but he's he's getting surpassed and I mean some of that's probably just a cool factor, like he doesn't quite know is I mean he's got a whole marketing team behind him that tells him what's cool, what's hot how to dress what to play etc uh but i think some of that's just being young just having that energy mm-hmm. of like it's a young man's game so like i understand that you know especially with covid this might be like a a transition from an every week guy to kind of like a moonlighting you know here and there guy uh you know in the club circuit if it ever comes back i guess
0: yeah i mean i i have to think it comes back um i i, I think <clears throat> covid's really an interesting thing and At first, I didn't take it seriously, I'll be honest. And I had started learning things throughout the process, but I think one of the outcomes that I just started drilling into my brain, because whatever you speak subconsciously, whether you're actually saying the words or you're just speaking them internally, that usually comes to fruition. If I tell myself I'm going to be successful from the day I'm born, I'll probably be successful at something. Mm -hmm. If I just say I'm not good enough, it won't happen. You probably won't be good enough, it probably won't happen. That's just how I believe. But one of the things that ties into that. And, um, talking about really wanting to push yourself and be successful is a few different things. I think you got to surround yourself with a core of individuals that you could feed that from and that strive you to be that better version of yourself, right? That tell you like, Hey, you're slacking, you need to keep, keep that together. And what really stuck home for me as a child was you're the sum of the 10 people that you surround yourself with. So if I want to be a professional athlete and I'm hanging out with 10 dudes that are just playing Warzone every day. I don't know how I'm going to be a professional athlete. I should probably find a better circle of influence. So for you going through that, you know, that change and I mean, just a disruption in the whole DJing world. Have you found yourself with a core of people uh, that you've been able to vibe off with and really learn from?
1: specifically in the dj world or are you talking about just like
0: personal professional and slash dj just like someone that's helping you stay motivated help you keep growing and help you strive to be the best version of yourself i mean you have a fiance so obviously sure. she's in there yeah. but like outside of that
1: yeah i think it's really interesting one of the things that it was an idea that was introduced to me a long time ago by a buddy of mine that he was actually a pilot and he was like hey do you have uh, whatsapp and this was like one of the first messaging platforms and i was like I think I do, but I don't really use it. He's like, well, all of my buddies and I are, you know, in flight school and had an internship for one of these airlines. And they're like, one of the greatest joys in my life now is uh, opening this WhatsApp group chat that I have with these guys and seeing the pictures from different time zones come in from all these guys. This guy's in Colombia and this guy's in Morocco. And, you know, they, they grew to be pretty tight. Uh, and one of the things that I have is a group chat with, I think it's 13 or 14 good friends, some of them longer friends and some of them um, more recent friends. But we all actually know each other. And some of us, it was weird. It was like the merging of two of these friend groups. And there's a lot of diversity in it. A, a lot of them are business guys, not all of them are, but even within business, there's, you know, sound designers and engineers and venture capitalists and people that are. You know, in the cannabis industry, there's a lot of different types of personalities. And I think it's cool because this is a support group that I kind of have for, you know, things like funny memes and even, you know, just asking random questions. I learn things from this group continually, whether it's we're having a heated political debate or we were talking about Bitcoin or somebody's telling me how to hang drywall in a basement. There's a wealth of knowledge and I think that I'm so super lucky to have this core group of guys and also to have a group of guys that not these days, but we do meet in person sometimes, maybe, you know, during when everybody comes back home, uh, during Thanksgiving or something. It is almost like I, I wasn't in the Greek system, but I, I kind of view it almost like as a mini fraternity where that like you can pull resources from this group, and I think that's one of the things that really has kept me, you know, who I am over the couple of years. But especially during these COVID times, has kept me very, very sane. Is having this this group of guys.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll say i don't have a group quite like that but in the prologue i talk about being an only child and i felt like i was the adopted child to a lot of families yeah. i was like the the step brother that was never really blood brother yep. but i had meshed in so well and these friends are my best friends today. the day. the one of my friends that's running a construction company that built this desk one of my friends that's doing editing that had a job offer from nfl network that helped me set this podcast up that's giving me advice and having that network is so powerful But I could say honestly to anyone, each one of them gives me value personally and professionally. Each one of them, if I need advice, I can get it from. And if you don't have that network, you got to get out of a different bubble. The reason I had been so motivated to get out of Wyoming, I think, is there, there wasn't that bubble. I mean, there's 1,400 people, right? And not a lot of them are doing the things that I wanted to do. And I think that's why as a young kid... It's not like I can make those decisions, but I just knew deep down, I was like, I got to find a different bubble. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that's why in the NBA, things have been so interesting because you see guys that haven't really performed performing, that's their bubble. That's their way that they're vibing. They're now together only yeah. with people that help them get better, sure. right? They can't go do stupid distractions. They can't go to Trinity Nightclub on yep. a Tuesday night yep. when they got a game on Wednesday, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that really helps them strive. And I think that's very important for anybody that's listening to to really find that network, a group of people. And it, you don't have to say that you're the best man to their wedding, right? I mean, you could be very good friends and still be able to take bits and pieces from them. Um, I did go on, I uh, lost my train of thought to talking about COVID. But one of the things I wanted to mention was, as things are changing through COVID, in my viewpoint, I think the two things that I think will benefit out of this, and I think COVID is going to benefit the people that make it through it with a positive attitude. It's going to Teach us things about ourselves that we probably needed to know that we didn't, but is education because to be honest, we're running schools on such an old school, you know, foundation from hundreds of years ago. And, like, is it really beneficial? I'm not too sure college is the biggest business of all businesses. And I'm happy that I went to college and got a college degree. I don't know if I'd be here doing the things that I want to do without it. But I really think that improves. I I know that things are changing remote, but I think curriculums will start changing. Life skills will start changing. I think that'll be huge. And I think the second one that's going to change is healthcare. I think healthcare is just, I mean, we work with healthcare all the time within Smartsheet, and they're having a huge disruption to the way they're doing things. And hopefully we can start uh, being able to streamline that that business because everyone's health is super important. And I mean, if you look at being active and eating healthy, I think that's the biggest fad of all time right now. And it's just funny because when I was a kid, we grew up thinking like, fats are bad for you. Like, Mm -hmm. don't eat fats. Now it's like, fats the good fats are good for you. It's all about sugar and how things change, but hopefully the technology and the way that we're working today can help streamline efficiencies there. And I, I'm i really positive on the impact of COVID that how we're going to come out on the other side of of society and, and where things go. Have you ever thought about these types of things during COVID and thought of things that you can improve or things that you see improving that hopefully will, will be taken to the next level post-COVID?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just like efficiencies in things are are important in terms of like not having to i I think we we, a lot of times we live in excess right i think things like interpersonal interpersonal communication are really important but you know things like being in a physical office things like commuting things you know whether it is education whether it is you know possibly healthcare. i think being able to do things these things remotely will ultimately benefit us and will ultimately benefit you know people's health man like we don't necessarily have to live in cities like you know being from the countryside like yourself and i i have actually a couple of buddies uh you know from similar places that have now had the opportunity to move back to wherever they're from and they came out here like you said to change their mindset to learn about the world to you know create uh more wealth to get these opportunities but now you know, their heart is is back there, you know, and for them, their mental health, their their, uh, mindset is is better served, you know, in a relaxing environment. So I think that's one of the things that we're starting to learn. Obviously, there's not like an end-all, be-all, especially with kind of schools or whatever, you know, it's difficult to make that transition. But I think that's one of the things that I'm actually really excited about is being able to do things remotely more, being able to have people, uh, in environments where they're more comfortable, you know, even if that's still a city, but not sitting in a car for two hours a day.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the idea of the American success story growing up, you see those people that are on their phones, like can't even have their kids to have meals because they're just too crazy and hectic of the life that they're going on, whether it's commuting, going in office, you know, I'm definitely a probably 60 in office Mm -hmm. supporter, 40% being remote But I think the well being and health of humans having that option and being where they benefit the most. Because I do know some people, even on my immediate teams within Smartsheet, that are benefiting so much more from being at home, but they're in a completely different situation as a single 28 year old dude living by himself, right? So, I mean, there's so many different tangents, and I think businesses are realizing that. And hopefully, that really helps spearhead the health of America. Because, you know, where I come from in the small town, there is definitely a lot of depression that happens with social media. We've seen a lot of the suicide rates go up and things like that. So hopefully, you know, post COVID, we, we do come out with those positive things that really help benefit the health of individuals. Because, I mean, there's just things that happen all around, around the world that people don't know about. And I think the action of being stuck to a, an electronic device here and there all the time is really messing up the mental fortitude that human nature is supposed to be.
1: Well, I think also this Ultimately will change and reshape a lot of things and then force people into other avenues and give people other opportunities I mean nothing is really Change is never welcomed right and uh, one story that I kind of actually wanted to get into about You know just opportunity presenting itself and a big change is how I got into sales man So I I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about that one. Yeah, man so um, it's really interesting. I was working at this bar that I kind of talked about before. Uh, and it, it was- What kind of bar? Give us the details. Yeah, so I it, want to hear about it. It was a sushi bar down, downtown called Nijo's. And it's very small. I mean, it's, it's a sushi restaurant that also has a bar. and the Like bar... a bar
0: top, couple bar, bar top. stools. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was a, a six top bar and three bistro tables. And so you as the bartender serve all those. Those are your people so the money is is not necessarily made in the volume you're not working like in a nightclub The money is made bullshitting with the the guests and kind of getting to know them and just having these regulars you would have a lot of people it was the waterfront so there was a lot of industry people that would have a drink before their shift and then after their shift and there was a lot of people that lived in these swanky high rises that would come down or business guys traveling people on the ferries but you got to know them and you got to chop it up and the way i actually made pretty decent money i mean uh you know for a bartender uh and this it, was
0: during college
1: post-college post-college yeah so it was after i uh after i quit the uh the the paper huh? <laughs> and uh you know just uh, you know djing and, and doing some bartending uh i you know was was making decent livable wage and the way i got into sales is i had this guy that, that i always used to talk sports with and admittedly i enjoy sports but i'm not because like I know, I hear you chopping at the office, you, you can say every stat, and you know, so much QBR, and that's why they're winning and losing. That's no, I, I love playing sports, I love watching sports, but like, I'm not I'm not the kind of guy that can like
0: me and EDM. Yeah, exactly. I like it, I'm there, you know, but like, you know what you like, but yeah. you're, not, you're, not, yeah. you're not a
1: connoisseur, so like, that's how I was, and I always had Sports Center up or whatever, so I. Part of how I made my money was chopping it up with these people on sports. Did you watch the game last night? Obviously, I did because I was here. You know how do you think about that? And there was this one guy, always came in from out of town. He was in there about every two weeks or so, uh, and he, I knew that he liked the Angels. And this was like, oh, this was, shout out Angels, yeah, let's so, go. Yeah, he was, uh, I, and you know he loved Mike Trout, obviously. And I, this was like in two thousand probably 2012 2000, now probably 2013 so it's like
0: early mike, like just now taking Mike
1: off. trout was the guy and he was telling me about mike trout he was like you gotta watch this guy He's something <laughs> special he's just he can run he can hit he can do everything and you know kind of like music or food i was like oh this is why you like Mike Trout." he was he was breaking it down for me and anyways we were just always chopping out i think i worked there for a couple of years and i probably chatted with this guy and knew him by a first name basis uh and it wasn't until like a couple of years later that uh, we started chatting about my background. He's like, oh, you actually have a, a four year degree. You are doing this like, uh, you know, little contract work here and there for your buddies doing this marketing. And, you know, I didn't know that. Uh, and I said, yeah, man, I mean, you know, uh, He's like, well, I don't want to say anything, but you know, I, I work for this company and I think you'd be, you know, pretty, pretty decent for this job we could we could use guys like and i'm like yeah yeah yeah, whatever man like (laughs) i i I don't know about that getting pitched yeah exactly and then he he says it once more before he's like you know i can't promise anything but you know i'm i know some people that i'm kind of a a a guy over there so maybe send me your resume and you you'll probably get an interview and but i can't promise you the job and the thing that got me was he's like you know you could make a hundred K over there. Oh, and I was like, say less. Like I was like, a hundred thousand, like in one year. Uh and he's like, yeah, man, if you work hard, like, you know, maybe not the first year, but uh after a couple of years, you you, you could make a hundred, a hundred thousand dollars a year. I sent him my resume the next day. Docusign? DocuSign. Hell yeah. And this guy happened to be the the VP of customer success. And he was like a, a big guy over there that I that I was bullshitting. So I mean long story short it's it's those relationships and I think ultimately that interaction at the bar not making money by being necessarily a good bartender but by being a good talker with everybody that came in everybody knew me you know and uh I think building those relationships were how, was how I made my money then and it's honestly how I transitioned in making this money now. Now I wasn't always good at sales. I'm not going to say that I came into Dr. eye and started just killing it but you know, it definitely was a stepping stone, and I think that it was this kind of collage, this montage, you know, that I'm pulling skills from all these areas, whether it's DJing, you know, drinking at a nightclub, knowing how to take clients out or whatever, to, you know, being professional, knowing how to wake up on time from, from the paperclip job or whatever, you know, knowing how to do an Excel report, I don't know. It's, it's just this collab- collaboration of all these various things.
0: And I think that's super cool, and I'll, I'll dive into a couple subjects here because I think this is awesome to talk about, is you never know what your opportunity is, but for the small-town kids out there, it's the reason why I left small-town Wyoming, you don't go to the bar with the four drunks in there and get that person that leads you into a career path. And, you know, I knew, obviously, had the mental capacity to understand that, but it's crazy when you're in a city, especially being here, and that was what year, probably?
1: 2014?
0: Right at that's right. When I moved here, I graduated yeah. college in 2014 when the city's starting to boom and you find these connections that can put you in the right place. But to be honest, the sad part is, is you got to have the connection sometimes. Mm. Right, especially with the way interviewing is now with the resume algorithms, just to the point like you're getting shut down on Facebook yeah. and YouTube. Like, if you don't have the the right setup and the right connections, you might not get the right opportunity, and sure. no matter how good you are. So you never know when you're talking to someone. Present yourself right. You know, have those great conversations that can open those doors for you. But it's funny how much of a skill talking is. Yeah. We grow up, one of the first things we're getting taught to do is learning how to speak. But some people's level of speaking is so much higher than the others. I mean, I think most people can agree Obama got voted president because he was such a good public speaker. I know I have voted for Bob. I was like, this guy talking sounds like he knows what he's doing. He's very influential. He's very inspiring. Like, I want to vote this guy president, right? And I think that's so cool because, you know, you talk to a lot of people and they're like, what do you do? I do sales. I like talk all day. That sounds super lame. <laughs> yeah, but there's like levels to this. You sure, know what sure, I mean? There's yeah, definitely yeah. levels to it. And you you look at some of the people in America that get paid the most wages, actors talking. Yeah. Like actors are taking talking to a whole other level. They're they're learning other accents. They're learning how to, you know, absorb someone else's version of talking. There's mm-hmm. comedians, right? And I think that's so cool. Just to like so, some people think to be successful, you have to invent something or start a new business. Sometimes it's just as simple as mastering the first skill you learn and that's speaking
1: i mean 100 percent, man i I obviously kind of just shared the 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 business aspect of it but i think it i mean being able to articulate yourself definitely helps right but i think the main thing that's helped me throughout all my life has just been being able to get people to help me and i think uh, i mean the root cause of this is being kind man just being a kind person and then also being uh, a likable guy passing the beer test. And the underlying of that is being able to express myself, being able to articulate myself, being able to feel, I guess, in my own skin around, around people, which is not always the easiest, but doing those kind of things and mastering that you can get people to help you get the results you want. Cause I mean,
0: no one's going to know everything.
1: Well, and you know, I, 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 I I'm not the smartest guy most of the time in the room, you know, and I'm not the subject matter expert on a lot of things. But the great thing is, you know, in these various groups and these networks that I have, I probably know a subject matter expert. If I don't know something, I, I know the guy to talk to. I know someone that can help me with a certain subject. And hopefully they'll be willing to at least give me a little bit of something or tell me who else can help. And I think that is what a lot of my success is, has been attributed to is being able to, to ask for help and being able to receive that. And I think even internally, you know, with this company that we work at now, you know, uh, you know, being a guy that's likable enough that people want to help you, that people are willing to help, not rubbing things in people's faces, not being abrasive or whatever, you know, being, a being a cool guy.
0: Yeah. It's funny how much You know, we talked about the sphere of influence earlier and how that can impact you and put you in the right direction. But just having that good impression to somebody, like you said, with the DJing gig, if I want to help someone or something needs to happen, you're on the top of their mind, Mm -hmm. right? That only comes from the likability and not everyone is going to be likable. But if you speak kindly. You mean well, people understand if you're being transparent and if you're being honest. And I think that makes the biggest difference because if you're not, people are going to feel that out. Like this guy's just bullshitting me through. Right. And that's, what's cool about sales to your point, this whole time you've been selling yourself. So even before you got into sales, you've been good at sales because sales is just a, a life skill. I mean, you're going to sell yourself for a relationship at one point, right? You're selling yourself for a job. You're sure. selling your story to a guy, you know, shooting up the shit, trying to get tips as a bartender. I mean, sales is everywhere and it's a funny way to look at it, but it it really comes down to just speaking and saying words. And that's just, just such a powerful thing in itself. For me, I know there's definitely a few like tips and tricks that I would recommend to anybody, whether it's sales, business, entrepreneurship. But for you, you've talked about a few of them, but is there one thing that it's kind of your motto that you've stuck by that's helped you be successful or a kind of like a life hack tip that you would, uh, give to anybody else.
1: I mean, again, I I just go back to like, just being, being a likable guy, being a a, a guy that people want to help. Uh, I, I think that, or that, I mean, and also a big part of that is being able to reciprocate. You don't want to be just be the guy that takes, right? So being able to actually, also use your sphere of influence to assist them you can't always be that you want to be able to give back and be also useful to them so I think that's a big part of it Uh, and I think also just overall preparedness kind of like knowing what you're going into and having an understanding of what what you might expect doing as much as you can because you can't necessarily expect how someone else is going to act but I mean you can definitely have control over yourself and you know what you're bringing to the table in any situation
0: yeah, I mean, it's funny that it's easy just to be be the likable guy, but that's a skill set in itself, right? Sure. But I think a lot of it comes to being genuine yeah. and being confident in who you are. I mean, if you're not confident, you're not even going to believe in yourself let alone anybody else. So how can you be likable or be the purpose matter expert or anything of that nature? So I think you really got to strive for those and you got to practice it with any skill. Sure. Like we talk about how important speaking is. I mean, I've been a news reporter, sports reporter. I've done TV. I've done radio. Like, I, I've done a lot of hours of speaking outside of just my normal conversations. And to your point, like, with sales, you've done a lot of speaking. You've done a lot of things through DJing. As a DJ, you got to MC too, right? Yeah. I mean, how how important is that in part of the DJ aspect? Just talking and vibing with the people. I,
1: I think, I mean, I think it definitely is. I think just in general, like, DJs have a lot, you have to have a lot of swag because it's like, you have to convince the person looking at you that you know what you're doing, that, that you're gonna create a vibe. So I think also a lot of it's too like, you know, like knowing how to dress, like no, like just a first impression to everything, like how you present yourself. And a lot of times, I mean, that's intimidating. Like I'm not always the most confident guy, you know, when, when you you know, come into a new club or a new situation, but you do have to fake it until you make it. You gotta come looking like you know what you're doing, even if you don't, you know what I'm saying? So I, th- I think that, that is pretty important.
0: And we're talking about the DJ aspect. Are You you talked about having residency at Trinity. Do yeah. you have residency at other places or did you pre-COVID or was it just that one place was like your guys' spot?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of became our spot. And the nice part about this was uh, we, even though we are employees of Trinity, we're almost like, I mean, we are technically contractors. We throw this night, we bring this product. And we book DJs for four hours of music so the nice thing about that is we can broker with other people whether it's out of town whether it's in town you know uh, you have this network of people and you're just kind of like hey uh, I have this residency here you have a residency on Friday let's trade let's trade gigs man and I, you know being the biggest nightclub in Seattle it's pretty easy to uh, to pull people in, and you know, even get booked out of town. I, like I said, I, I'm not the world's greatest DJ, but I think I'm a good networker, and I'm a good programmer and crowd reader. So I could, I, I can rock a party. You know what I mean? And so if if it if I do get booked for an out of town gig, that I'm able to barter and negotiate. Man, it's it's super fun to to play other.
0: Were you play. doing quite a few out of town gigs before COVID, or I, w- I mean, how is yeah. that very often for you?
1: I wouldn't say very often, but it it you know it's something that we definitely try to take advantage of, whether it's in like Vancouver, Canada, or Portland, or you know, obviously it's harder to go up market, uh, but you know we host guys from Vegas, you know, here and there with the hope of you know going over there, even playing like some smaller stuff. It, it all comes around.
0: How do you sell yourself to those other markets? So obviously you've had the connections in Seattle. You got working with Trinity. But how do you even approach that conversation? Is it something that you're like, hey, check out my sets. Here's a clip. Yeah. Like, w- what do you have to do?
1: I think it's it, it's a combination of things. It's a lot of times it's getting someone to, to refer you, like a sponsor. You sort of just be like, hey, like, it looks like, you know, this guy who's who knows this guy, like he'll vouch for me. Like, these guys are solid. He's a cool guy. I think that's part of it. Another part is realizing, again, that even at the highest level, like, these DJs are still people. And even if it's, like, this guy has a re- residency at Vegas, you know, as an opener at a big club, we booked a guy that came out here, and honestly, we probably couldn't pay him what, it, what he was worth. But he's just like, look, I'm coming out for a family reunion. I'm going to make a trip out of it with, with my girl or, or her family reunion. It'd be fun to, to play and just kind of get to see the nightlife, you know. Yeah. Uh, And and so we we booked the guy and it was just like one of those things where you have to just realize, look, I mean, eh, you're going to miss every shot you don't take. So why wouldn't I ask for him to return the favor? Yeah. Even if it's something as, and at a bare minimum, it's it's being able to go to those clubs. I don't know if you've been to a Vegas club, but it ain't cheap to get in or like to be able to have drink spot for you or something like that. Just to be able to get to see the industry side of it, to make those connections, even if, you know, I don't get booked to play is is something that's cool, you know.
0: Just cuz you brought it up, what's the f- best club that you've been to? Like dopest setup, like best vibes, like always pop in, oh, like man. you got to go to this place.
1: Dude, I like I, I think XS in Vegas or Hakkasan in Vegas are 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 sick, man. They're just like those are just uh on a different level. In Miami, like Live at the Fontainebleau, that it's just like it's just insane you know like it it's you 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 can't you can't imagine that this is like centric around this i've I've also been to a couple clubs in like korea and japan
0: oh man that's
1: yeah like it's clubbing internationally i would say is on a totally different you know different level man and and people's schedules are different like they don't the clubs don't get popping until say like 2 a.m that's like peak time, or maybe even later, like 4 a.m., like the opening DJ will, will be playing at midnight. So it's like, it's a it's a totally different beast. I think I think actually now that I mentioned it, those Korean clubs are probably the... the yeah,
0: most. I mean, I've only been to North America, Canada, Mexico, U.S., so I've never been outside. So my exotic ones are like Live in Vegas. Yeah. I haven't been to the, the... What were the two in Vegas? Uh, XS. I've and, been there, and then the and other uh, one. Hakasan. I've never been to that one. Where's that one yeah, at? That's in MGM. Oh, okay. That's a
1: pretty cool one here.
0: Yeah, I mean those are my exotic versions, but I could only yeah, yeah. imagine. I, I feel like everything's bigger and better overseas. <laughs> yeah,
1: so. I, yeah, it's uh, I mean it's it's cool, man. It's 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 definitely an aspiration to play. I got some buddies from Korea that have some residencies. Actually, kind of mentioning this whole thing is, you know, a couple of them came over and played, and one of the guys was a student over here for a while, and um, you know, due to COVID, he sent back there. But he's like, dude, if you ever come by, you know, doors open. Yeah, and it's almost like it's a, it would be a huge step up over there because some of those clubs are like 5,000 people. It's just, it's wild. Yeah. That's
0: insane. What's been your highest moment as a DJ? Like
1: peak performance, you just came out of there, you're like, let's freaking go. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, We played Bumbershoot. Okay. Uh, like in the Sky Church, and it wasn't, I know it, some of these like times you're, you're booked like under uh, like a radio station or like on the side stage. And we've done a couple of those like paradisos where like, we we're at the Move-in 92.5 stage, which is tight. You know? No, it's still dope. Technically, I played Paradiso, <laughs> right? But uh, this bummer shoot, we were like, and I still have the poster up at the house. We we're like on the, we were like Deathcap for Cuties on the bill, and like we we're on, on the bill too. What year was this? I think that was 2004. 14 I forget. so i
0: went to my first bumper shoot the year little wayne Ludacris. all those guys came out here
1: yeah no that uh, it was that a few was, years later i don't know what what, what day that was or oh, what, what year that was but th- no this was sick man it was in the emp sky church and like it's it was, awesome it was tight dude like it was like it was it was super fun
0: what's man. been the lowest of lows what's been the moment where you're like shit have you ever thought about quitting dj
1: uh, i mean again man it's just like i always feel like there's the next man up like i didn't think i'd be doing it this long it's kind of crazy like holding a residency this long at one club i mean there are plenty of djs that have been doing it way longer than me but they like bounce around they're about this or that i think one thing that's been nice is having a, uh, a different set of regular income Both Brandon and i have you know other jobs so we're not like dependent dependent a lot of these dj buddies we have it's you know which is dope because they get to do what they love uh you know for a living but they're dependent on an income so if the money's not right they got to look for the next opportunity so we've been so fortunate actually to to have this residency for so long and more importantly get to play the music that we actually like to play um and yeah man it's just, i forget uh, we were lowest home, of low man. lowest of low um <clears throat> i ha- i think the lowest of low is i mean just knowing that it could be gone at, at any time you know what i mean definitely we played some shit gigs like there's been some times we, i mean we tried to do this thing where we were playing uh in a thai restaurant that like turned into a bar in uw for a while like we were trying to make it a thing and it just wasn't but honestly i don't think there was any low times uh, i mean maybe that time at the chieftain when we cleared the room but not, not really any times where I was like, I'm going to quit. I, I I just more as well, like, I'm going to do it until it's not fun anymore. I'm going to do it until I'm not enjoying it anymore. Uh, until then, man, it, it, as long as, like I said, man, it, it, they keep calling us back, I'm going to show up. Well, you're
0: lucky you haven't had a time where you've quit. Yeah. I'm a little on the edge of it, but one of my mentors used to say, if you haven't thought about quitting, it's not good enough. Yeah. But that's cool that you've been in that position. Connections are huge. To your point, you've been started with connections. So find some connections out there, everybody. Um, but when it comes to the whole DJ aspect, we've talked about some of the highs. We've talked some of the lows. We've talked some of the intricate intricacies and what it takes to be a DJ. But do you have anyone personally that's ever thought that DJing wasn't something that's a good career path or something that you should be doing that's tried to shy you away from it? Or have you always had good influence and positive momentum with it?
1: I mean, I, I think there there was to be honest because, like, I mean, I mean
0: most people like yeah mom I'm gonna be a professional DJ yeah, it's, yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's like ah like put the brakes.
1: I, I mean luckily my mom's always pretty supportive of, of stuff that I do she's kind of like uh like she kind of babes me I guess I'm a mama's boy you know, so
0: like, <laughs> Filipinos that's how it she's works she's like <laughs> she's
1: like yeah man like like you know whatever whatever makes you happy is cool the the money will kind of come later uh, my pops obviously he he was kind of like. A little bit more resistant to it and kind of wanted what was up with that but I think you know there was some periods of time where you know I, I obviously went to UW went to business school you know I was uh, you know not really working a steady job so I was bartending and uh, DJing and I would run into some of these cats that were like "Yo, I'm a, I'm a consultant at Deloitte you know you know how are you doing like good to see you again what are you up to these days and I you know, I wasn't really, there was, I guess some times that I felt self-conscious about telling them what I was doing, but man, I was having fun, man. And I was doing what what I really liked to do. And I knew that, you know, I could go back into whatever it was that, you know, would make people think that I was successful. So, I mean, I, I could see that there were some of those folks that were like, you know, what's up with this? Like, why aren't you using your degree? But, you know, fortunately... You know, I, I had two sources of income. I was really starting to pick it up making money on DJing. It kind of converted from a hobby. Is like, I mean, what you spend your money, where you spend your time, but it converted from a hobby to a hobby that I actually made money on. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it people are going to pay me to DJ, right? So that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, I could definitely see that. I, I, I think I felt some people judging me, but fortunately I didn't necessarily let that get to my head. And then also uh, that conversation with my buddy at the bar happened at the right time so I was able to kinda exit. I think and that was a nice transition and a good time of life for me to, you know, start, you know, having a little bit more sale- serious career. And also, you know, I enjoy sales, so doing something that, that I'm good at that can make some decent money, that's also kinda fun for me.
0: Sell people on sales. Why should someone do sales? Man,
1: don't. I'm <laughs> uh, No, I mean, I, I would say, I would say, try it. Um, it's it's one of those things where if you no
0: feed, one, I think, grows up wants to do sales. No, that's why I say that because, like, for me, if you would have told twenty year old Shane or sixteen mm-hmm. year old Shane, "Yo, know, you're gonna be in sales when you're thirty years old," yeah, twenty eight, but he'd be like, "Nah, dude, like that's not happening." Yeah. So let's hear the positive script on it.
1: I I would just say that it's it's a good it's a good place for. Someone that maybe has tried some other stuff that hasn't fit in right like for someone that doesn't really feel like they're good at a couple other careers like um, Like myself, I'm just not a very process oriented person when it came to that like very Technical data, you know marketing job or I'm not a math guy. I've never been good at math I am never good at numbers like um, Even like, you know, sometimes I, f- I think I'm a very good writer. I feel like I'm a very good uh speaker but even like reading sometimes I feel like man I'm like dyslexic you know like I'm I'm either very fast or very slow so I think it's it's something that can be it's, it's a good thing to try if you are not finding success in the normal avenues and you know you can make a lot of money and you know live a lifestyle that you want to live you know even though maybe initially you might not be like hey sales is my passion sales is, is what I want to do for a while I think that it's a great avenue to be able to live the lifestyle that you want to live and kind of get above this living paycheck to paycheck or, or you know worrying about you know paying for things or worrying about being able to do this or that you can i guess what i always tell people is like look like i wouldn't say necessarily business is my passion i have a lot of other passions outside of life whether it's family whether it's travel whether it's snowboarding whether it's djing but my career, I found something that you know I like, I, I definitely don't hate, and it allows me to take on these other areas of my life. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so I would encourage anybody that has had maybe struggles in other things or is kind of feeling like mediocre in maybe another career that they've had that they should try sales, man. And maybe they should try it twice because I've definitely had some bad managers and some good managers, and that's all the difference in the world. Like I – There's a couple times where I thought I was not good at sales, and it turns out like I just needed someone in my corner to say, "Hey, (laughs) you got it. Like, I, you, you know what you're doing." So, uh, you know, I, I know that was a long-winded answer, but it's. I I think that the joke is that you know all these lost souls come to sales. I know that's why I I wanted to talk (laughs) about it. But I think that man, it, it can really like it. It can it can really help people that. You know want to kind of open up their mind or want to have free like want to be able to not worry about financial stuff i guess because it's like if you work hard the financials will come it's it's almost guaranteed. you're playing on
0: house money the exactly. reason i fell in love with sales yeah i have to sell the product that's not mine yeah i don't get to determine what it is what the price is yeah i have to follow the structure of a corporate company or else i get fired sure but at the end of the day if I feel comfortable going all in on Shane Gillette and his work ethic, yeah. I'm going to be okay.
1: 100. percent.
0: And there's not many places you can do that. Yeah. You no, know, like I don't want to like trash journalism, but that's why I didn't like what I was doing is I couldn't just put the chips all in. I didn't control that. Yeah. I could only put what they allowed me to put in there. You know what I mean? So I think sure. that's a cool story to hear from your your point of view, where you really can hard work determination finding yourself with the right people can strive to really do unlimited things with the right companies you know yeah. not every company is going to put you in. The i best think that, position, that's but...
1: important too you know especially with sales is having a company that values their people and value and that gives people a fighting shot because i mean i, I really haven't been in that bad a spot but i think that uh you know, from what I hear, there can be some places that's like, look, man, this is a, it's, it's a, it's a meat the, factory, you know what I mean? Like meat grinder or whatever this is. The
0: piece of advice that I got is if you don't believe in the CEO or you wouldn't want to hang out with the CEO to the beer point, 100%. or you don't think that he could steer your ship in the right direction if yeah. you're going to war, you're probably at the wrong company, right? No I love Mark Mater. Definitely looking to get him on the show, which would be super Did dope. Get him on, yeah. Day, you, you stop, Let him yeah. have some double barrel. Yeah. Open him up, but I think it's it's a definitely a, a true story to to speak to that. You know, shout out to sales. Gave your shout out to the moms. Shout out to all the moms out there. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to that's been a huge inspiration, personally, professionally? That's helped Akira be successful to where he is today.
1: Honestly, you had a, had a couple <laughs> couple managers that that were like. Uh, big influences just like and you know just people that, that motivated you I think in sales is such kind of a people view it as like a cutthroat industry but I've had a handful of managers that were really just kind of like motivators and you know didn't this nec- made me think like okay it doesn't sales doesn't have to be this like necessarily hard-nosed thing you can be yourself and have s- success and you know be uh, you know just a person that's more calm and relaxed and 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 that will also bring bring results. Uh but other than that, man, honestly, the fiance, dude, she is a boss, total G. Um, yeah, motivates me. She's like the joke is she's she's a journalist, right? I got her master's from Northwestern or whatever. But she Big journalism school. Dog. Just a a a G. a a G. But like she would be a kick-ass salesman or, or, or a sales manager actually because i feel like the joke with her is i feel like she's uh, my sales manager i'm like she's like hey barrett when those numbers come out how are we doing this quarter you, you know you you're uh, you closing that up or what and it's it's she is so competitive man it's um I don't know if I told you that I'm an only child too, but I come from like this very big extended step family, Filipino family. Filipino. Come on, yeah. man, I no, know exactly. how that role. So it's like all my
0: that- my family. When I say that for everyone that doesn't know, is my second cousins. Okay, yeah. But because I'm an only child, and we were so close as childhoods, because my uncle would always bring me over, and they're a little older than me. They're my babysitters and whatnot. We've grown so close. I feel like they're like my brothers and sisters Yeah, no, exactly. and we're fucking second cousins. Exactly. No,
1: but, I mean, that's, I mean, that. You're like, you're, yeah, you're doing the Filipino thing where it's like, it, it's not even your family. It's your dad's friend that you grew up with. It's like, <laughs> that's your cousin and that's your uncle over there. So like, I mean, and I grew up with a, a whole lot of those and you know, a lot of them are still very close with to this day. And, and that's like, so I never, I definitely never felt like that. Um, uh, but at the same time, like seeing my fiance's family, like they, they're a family of four and they are so competitive. It's like, my God, like being an only child, I wasn't, I wasn't as competitive in family. I don't know. Cause it was like being competitive with your parents. They're kind of, you know, everybody's kind of nice. And you no, know, I don't want to, I don't want to win because it makes you lose, you know, but I like, like that type of thing. No, it's like, like her family, man, it's like every, and it's, everything that we do is competitive so very rarely do we go over there and watch tv it's like we're always like playing cards or playing chess or playing games for days or just doing like doing these like her her mom or her dad will have like this puzzle of like here's a math riddle or or something like (laughs) crazy and it's like how fast can you do it or did you get the right answer and the cool thing about this is i realized like it's not a like um it's not a, I want you to lose and feel bad. It's like, a I very much value winning though. So like that, so it, it's, there's no hard feelings about it. And it's always like very friendly, but it's like, everything is about competing and playing. And that's one thing that I get from her. is like, dude, like she, a, a, everything we do, it's like, I see her give her all in it. And that's one thing that I've respected. And the more we've dated is I learned and I think it's really rubbed off on me. As a sales guy, and I think that I've seen actually my sales career just like exponentially grow since like being in that in that mm-hmm. environment. And it's, it's weird because even just saying this, and kind of when I was thinking of some of these uh, things we talked about on the way over here, I was like, "God, that makes me sound like I live like in a in, you know a stressful like how how stressful is it to just compete with your fiance?" <laughs> out there? But it's really not. It's like a, it's just it's fun. It's always. In motion. I was talking about this concept of being in motion. It's like my mind's always moving. I always have this this stimulus around, and there's some things that I'm better at her than, and there's some things that she's better at me that. But damn, man, she'll she'll give it hell to try to try to. We're get gonna have it to up. hang
0: out, man. She sounds like she'd be a part of the the Gillette family for sure. I mean, my family <laughs> yeah. were super competitive, and I'm an only child, and I have that nature. Like, yeah. no matter what, I was trying to compete with somebody. At yeah. you know, this this is just the way it is. But I think to that point is it's really helped me mold me to be the success and have the success that I've had and journalism and sales do have a lot in common. I guarantee I was not that good at journalism. I was very young in my career. I didn't really like live that career, but I was like very shy and not as outspoken as I should be because I was just worried about what other people thought. And then I got into sales and the whole script shifted. If I would have went back into TV, would have been a whole nother level like of journalism right 100%. so like if your wife would have went to go went into sales she probably would crush it yeah and if she went back into journalism probably even crush it even more so it's <laughs> yeah. funny how those ties
1: I, I said if there's if you ever get sick of journalism man like you can support the, of the, <laughs> the money you've been making over here you, like i'm not, you I'm, not it. I'm not worried about it yeah I, I always say hey you know anytime you have a hard day at work it's the jokes like you want a job, man? I, yeah. I know we're hiring. Like I, know, I can refer you to somebody. You
0: know. Yeah, that's great. Well, outside of that, man, I appreciate you coming in. Yeah. Technically, the inaugural business episode of Let's Business go. and Bucket, Thank so you, appreciate you coming through. Is it just DJ Akira? Do you have a special name?
1: What's the deal? Yeah, I mean I, we go by Rise Over Run. That's how probably most people na- na- name uh, know us. Rise Over Run DJs on Instagram. Uh, myself, when I perform, I'm just Akira. Um, but yeah, man, yeah, check us out. What's
0: your socials? Shout them out. I'll I'll take them on the video. Yeah, but... yeah,
1: Rise Over Run DJs on IG, and then um, yeah, Rise Over Run DJs on Twitch as well these days.
0: Outside of Twitch, is there anywhere else that they could catch you through quarantine?
1: No, man. That we're we're just gonna keep it there. So, I mean, sometimes we'll you know post on IG and you know do some like videos of us going live or some some funny just general life stuff and shenanigans that we're doing but yeah twitch is going to be the spot we also have a facebook page not quite as active on it um, so i would say yeah I, ig and uh twitch
0: all right well there you go check it out we'll throw some content on there i've seen some of your streams we'll tag them up on there and look to this guy keep kicking ass and uh get you through quarantine so uh, thanks again for, for tuning in, and uh, can't wait to get you guys
1: on the next one. Dude, appreciate you having me. I better be on the uh, 100th episode, too. Oh, that's a <laughs> big one back. statement, <laughs> man. 100
0: episodes. So my buddy that started his podcast, 100 episodes, was a year and a half. Okay. Pretty good length of time. But my business episodes are every episode, right? Yeah. So I have <clears throat> my episode zero is my prologue. Episode one will be my sports and I'll probably throw this in like episode four. Okay. But episode four is episode one of business. Got it. So episode 100 of business, that could be like two, three years. But at that time, who knows what the. Whatever you, you want to do. You so want to do a moonlight. Whatever you, whatever you want. <laughs> we yeah. got to have a after-hour sesh, you know, DJ exactly. sesh. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, man. I well, appreciate you, man. it.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it.